have E. Hello. And straight in front of me, we have Robbie. Hello. And then through the internet, joining us again, uh, I think the last episode she was on was, was it The Shining? Might have been, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how it- oh, wow. So just full Whoops. circle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, Samantha, my sister. Here's my response. Hi. I messed that up. (laughs) No, I was trying to do like my computer voice be like, here is my generic response. (laughs) Today we are going to be making a full circle and we're going to be watching the sequel to The Shining, Dr. Sleep. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this one. Yeah. I can't wait to sleep. <laughs> I mean, Dry said this is a pretty long movie, so it's a possibility. Yeah, I'm gonna wait to tell you that part. <laughs> um, but before we start talking about Doctor Sleep, I guess I want to ask you guys something very, very important. Before I even ask how your lives are doing, Sam, I'm gonna start with you. What's your favorite Halloween candy? Favorite Halloween candy? Yeah. Is there like specific Halloween candies that aren't just? Like candy corn? Like when you went trick or treating <laughs> as a child 17 years ago, like Back what in. was the candy that you like poured out your bag and you're like, I need all of these? And like you punched other kids in the face to get them. I don't know. Chocolate. Chocolate is always good. Reese's Pieces or Reese's, however some people say it. No, <laughs> only heathens say Reese's. Yeah, Reese's, Reese's Pieces are great. Reese's Dry knows this. I actually do just genuinely say Reese's Pieces. I hate it so much. <laughs> it's not like a, it's not like a joke or anything. That's just in my mind. That's how you pronounce Reese's, Reese's pieces. Yeah, Reese's Reese's. <laughs> now you're now you're lost. You're confused. You lost the thread. <laughs> Rice, hey, don't be Pisces. Reese's about this. <laughs> okay, Reese's. That's classic candy. Everyone loves it. Not a fan myself, but I get it. That's like the caramel versus caramel ar- argument. Almost. Well, obviously, it's caramel. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that because Reese's is just wrong because that's yes. not even how it's spelled. <laughs> I like I interchange caramel and caramel for some reason. I don't know. Why. Actually, <laughs> me too. Like it depends on what that I'm doing the caramel caramel for. Like yeah. if I'm just talking about it as general, it's caramel. But if I'm saying like I want caramel drizzle or like I want yeah. a caramel candy, or but if salted I'm just... like salted caramel. Yeah, yeah, like I don't say salted caramel, it's salted yeah. caramel. If it's like a fancier treat, then it's caramel. If, it's just, <laughs> if, you're, in the, if you're in the, the nice part of town. Caramel. Yeah, if you're on the other, if you're on the right side of the tracks, it's caramel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think that is a bit of like where we are, where we're kind of in like the center of the United States somewhat. So you kind of get people from. Yeah, like uh, where we live is kind of like, it's literally on the border of the west side of america and the midwest yeah so we have have a couple western ideologies and a couple midwestern things like i guess one good example is um there's a lot of words that we just don't pronounce the t on yeah yeah like people get mad when i say mountain yeah i don't say mountain yeah mountain fountain another one is the soda versus pop debate i say both personally (laughs) like no you don't say pop that's weird why what kind of give me a pop I'll pop you one. It's <laughs> like an east, east, eastern United States thing. Yeah, that's I'm, like someone in Jersey who doesn't have an education and just constantly <laughs> smells fumes from the factories. Yeah. I mean, Dry would be really pissed off if he went down to the south. <laughs> where they say like, Coke? Yeah, where everything's a Coke. Like, oh, oh what do you want to drink? Like, oh, can I get a Coke? Okay, what kind? Uh, Sprite. You motherfucker! Not a Coke! <laughs> I think, like, usually how it goes in my head is, like, a can is a can of pop. But if it's, like, poured out of something, it's soda. Like a can of pop or a bottle of soda, then? Yeah. 
Oh, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's it's, it's interchangeable. Out of the fountain, like that's a, a fountain. fountain. That's drink. a fountain drink, actually. It's just so it's not a fountain soda or a fountain pop. No, it's a fountain drink. Oh, I don't like your logic at all. <laughs> Usually when it's in the cup, it becomes soda. Dry, Dry's just going to go to a restaurant with E one of these days, and like by the end of the one-hour session of them eating and E getting his seven refills of his fountain <laughs> yeah. drink, Dry's eyes just going to be twitching. <laughs> no, like, like if Dry is there, I'm just going to fuck with him and be like, every other time I'm going to switch what I – like, can I get a refill on my pop? Hey, can I get a refill on this soda? Can, can I, I refill, refill on this carbonated beverage? <laughs> oh man okay robbie <laughs> what was your favorite halloween candy this is probably gonna be a basic bitch answer but like i've actually always really liked snickers like the little fun-sized ones i just like those little cubes classic yeah. Cute. that and i, yeah. I don't know why but like because i will never eat them any other time of the year other than halloween but smarties yeah, actually, if you get like a couple packs of Smarties, like you're gonna eat them, right? Yeah, they're still they're there. They're not bad. They're yeah. just like, you're not gonna go yeah. out to a store and be like, I need a bag of Smarties. Yeah, I'm not gonna like go to the store and go out of my way to get flavored chalk, but <laughs> I think it's one of those like whenever you fill yourself up with like the sugary shit that is like Snickers and Kit Kats and everything else, I'll put you into a diabetic coma. You need to just like smash up those fucking Smarties and snort them. <laughs> no, fucking kids at my elementary school did. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, they yeah. did that at my school too. Okay, smoke and snort them. Smoke. Yeah, yeah, like so. If okay, you, so yeah, yeah, I, I know about that too. What they would do is like while they were still in the package, they would crush them up, and then they would like not like so much take a puff off of them, but like they would like let the like the candy dust go into their mouth, and it looked like smoke coming out of their mouth. And you know, you're getting all that shredded sugar They're into your lungs. They're literally just filling their lungs with sugar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. I think some kids got sick from this it. This is why kids started eating Tide Pods. They just poison themselves from a young age. I mean, Something people don't realize, kids are stupid a lot. <laughs> I think that's usually people's default, actually. You'd be surprised. Well, no, no, no. It's, other, it's always other kids are stupid. Right. My kids my aren't. kid. Like, yeah, that's usually okay, what it yeah, is yeah. with people. My kids would never smoke Smarties. I know because I don't see them at school where they would do it. <laughs> However, that little troglodyte, Carl. Yeah. Fucker Carl, I know he's smoking smart. He's a bad influence on my precious Timothy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and Timothy has that stupid dog backpack still. (laughs) Fucking Timothy. Okay. Snickers, snack size Snickers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have a similar thing to Robbie where it's a candy that I won't get any other time of the year, but uh, Whoppers. Oh, yeah. The triple pack of Whoppers. I haven't had Whoppers in a while. Milk Duds. Mm -hmm. Mm, I'm yeah. not as big a fan on milk duds. No, I, like that's another thing that I, I I never eat milk duds unless it's Halloween. Yeah, but yeah, like, but like a whopper. Yeah, same you with, just get like you shove that entire pack in your mouth and just let them melt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the thing I like the most about whoppers <laughs> is after you get the chocolate coating, that's the inside still melts and it's amazing. Yeah, it's really good, man. Whopper. I, I want some whoppers. Actually, you know what I kind of want to do? I kind of want to get some whoppers and like melt them inside of a hot coffee. Ooh, that would be really good. The, the really good thing about Whoppers, though, is they're like the bitch candy. Like, no one wants the Whoppers <laughs> at the end. So you can go to the store, and that's usually all that's left yeah. is yeah. the Whoppers in the discount pile. And you're like, fuck yeah, a whole fucking diabetes of Whoppers <laughs> for, for one dollar. <laughs> that's how we should a start whole weighing di- Halloween candy. <laughs> and type one and type two diabetes. Yeah, <laughs> I would like uh, I would like two diabetes, please. <laughs> cool. Yeah, Whoppers for sure. Awesome. Um, yeah, I I don't know what it is about like normally I don't like Twizzlers. I'm a red vine guy. That's my thing. That's my jam. I'll eat entire pack of those during a movie any day. 
But for some reason, those little tiny Twizzlers that come in like their individual thing and they're itty bitty, <laughs> like those are just the best licorice in the world for some reason. They just hit differently than full size. They do, they hit differently, Robbie. <laughs> I think it's because you don't have to eat the whole thing. Maybe, but <laughs> even the flavor just isn't the same. I don't know what it is. Licorice is a weird uh, candy choice. It's like an old man candy choice. No, old people <laughs> candy is like where it's like those weird like circus peanuts. That's an old that person too, candy. But like oh, weird yeah. like uh, grape flavored candy you don't ever see at the store, and you're not where sure where, you're not sure where it comes from. Actually, like, yeah, but it just, yeah, it just, no, those like, like the little cookies? strawberry things that like yeah, old people yeah. always have. Oh, yeah. I don't know what store they go to to buy those. Is yeah, there those like little, uh, off, I, those I little see, off-brand strawberries? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I see them at the dollar store every now and then. Is that it? Yeah. I always thought there was like an over 65 only club <laughs> that old people went to. I think like that's part of your social security, actually. They said you those. Well, like, I've actually never seen a package of those. Like, those are always like, you know, whenever you'd get like, a single candy for a nickel back in the day. Oh, yeah. Those would be, like, right next to the Atomic Fireballs. And, like, whatever brand of bubblegum that was, like, as hard as a fucking rock. And all of them that weren't... Yeah, well, all that's the insane, like, ones. The ones you would, like, either get from quarter machines or that you'd buy individual Oh, yeah, ones. it's oh, like they yeah. have and, like, flavor for two seconds. Yeah, yeah, they have flavor for two seconds, and they have the consistency of chalk. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, if you were to put, like, 12 of them in a sock, you could kill a person with them. <laughs> My favorite part is sometimes they sell like giant ones of those, and I'm like, you can't Why? even eat that. My favorite ones were the giant ones, and then on the inside, they were like hollow, and they filled them with like that fun dip powder. Did you ever have those ones? Yeah. That's like the opposite of what you're supposed to do with fun dip. You can't like, you don't, what do you do? You can't like invert the. No, you like, you bite a tiny hole in it, and then like you use it like it's a sand sock, and you just pour the sugar in your mouth. <laughs> A sand sock? What? <laughs> okay, you know when you like go to like a beach or like the sand dunes and uh-huh. your sock gets full of sand? Yeah. <laughs> That's not something I want to describe food as. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> like, I know where you're getting at, but a sand sock? Yeah, and you just pour all that sand sock sugar <laughs> in your mouth. <laughs> is, so is that your answer? Sand sock sugar is yeah, your yeah, favorite candy? Yeah, that's my favorite candy. Halloween candy. Yeah. <laughs> no. So pixie sticks? <laughs> As a pixie sticks is another I would never like ever want other yeah. than around Halloween. Except the giant pixie sticks. Those were fun. No, that's way too much. That's only that's like half a bag of sugar. That's great. <laughs> but enough about food and candy. Um I'm gonna start with E on this one. I, what have you been up to? How's your week been? Alright. You ready? Brace yourself. Ready? I watched a movie. Wh- oh what? wait, what? Yeah. What'd you do? What'd you watch? I watched your name. My, dry oh, the up? anime? Yeah, yeah the anime. Yeah. <laughs> It's a movie I think I told you I bought about March. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason, he has March written on his wrist, and now we know yeah. why. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I actually decided to sit down and watch a movie. How was it? Uh, I'm going to save it, because I think it might be a good podcast movie, actually. All right. Uh, also, I have uh, Neil Cicerega, also known as Lemon Demon, has released a new album. I've been listening to that. It's How great. is it? I think you would hate it. <laughs> Good. It's, it's it's part of his uh, mouth. Now it used to be a trilogy, but now it's a quadrilogy. Nose, mouth, eye. No, right no, eye. it's <laughs> it goes mouth moods, the prequel mouth silence, the sequel uh mouth something, but this one's mouth dreams. When do you get into the mouth of madness? Not yet. Ooh. Actually, <laughs> this might be called that. I think there's only one track that features smash mouth. <laughs> 
but it's great and i love it and i it's what i haven't laughed as hard as i have listening to since for a while it's probably one of the highlights of this year so far i'm gonna say and other than that just like the same old working on that on the game i've been working on and just nice herding cats basically with my (laughs) team's class trying to get people to do things just anything yeah okay (laughs) so yeah all right all right well uh robbie yes you weren't here last week i was not because uh i had a formal occasion i had to go to right uh dion was here last week for his first episode we watched the thing that was a fun episode yeah i'm i am a little bit sad that i did miss that but that's because that's one of my favorite horror movies of all time well, I think you'll be happy with that episode then. Yeah. Okay. Mostly. <laughs> Nine out of I'm curious to know what E thought of that I movie. gave it a one out of ten. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be too surprised. Cause... I didn't. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so last week uh, I was, as Jell would tell you, uh, I was voluntold to go to a wedding. <laughs> and were you she's the been bride pri- or the groom? Huh? Were you the bride or the groom? It was a gay wedding. Uh, were you the groom so or the groom? Or the groom? <laughs> <laughs> She's on the groom side. <laughs> no, I, I legitimately went to my first gay wedding for that. Cool. Like, that actually wasn't a joke. Take that off your bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was okay, but like literally our conversation of her saying that she that I was going to go with her because she was a bridesmaid at said wedding. And Wait, she's did like, you just tell me that there wasn't a bride then? Well, you know. <laughs> she's a groomsmaid? Groomsmaid? Yeah, groomsmaid. As I say many times. <laughs> Spouse maids. <laughs> Whenever I say, like, I was voluntold, she's just like, you're going with me because I need a date to this wedding. Okay, good, because you don't have a choice in the matter. All right. <laughs> like, it was pretty <laughs> much Quit! Kind of- Quit fighting, Robbie! You're going to this one way or another! I okay. Just, okay, if okay. you want me to, I'll go. <laughs> Robbie, I will drag you to this wedding if I need to. Okay, you need to take two days off. Hold on a second. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I have to leave work? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, we went there, um, it was... It was one of those things because I didn't take any time off of work. Like, I got off of work at 7 a.m. and then drove home, and then we went, like, straight from me, or straight from my house to driving down to the city. Where the, <laughs> uh, well, where the wedding was at. Right. Like, three hours away, driving. And, uh, Did so, you at least sleep on the way? Nope. Oh, were you driving? Nope. Oh. Uh, <laughs> part of the reason I wasn't driving is because I didn't, or because I had not slept, but. I mean, yeah, I would say don't. <laughs> I would say you should have slept, maybe. But yeah, uh, she dropped me off at my sister's house uh-huh. for that, and I went and I slept for like maybe an hour there, and I woke up to my si- uh, I woke up to my sister like you know waking me up saying like in a bad mood uh, waking me up. Ah, <laughs> uh, but what it was is um my you slept through stepdad- the wedding. <laughs> well, uh, my stepdad was supposed to come pick me up to bring me down to their place to go have dinner with them that night. Like she woke me up saying that he needed a towel because he had bought a new truck recently and he didn't get uh mats for his back seats yet. So he wanted to put towels down so I wouldn't get his back seat dirty. Oh, and, you dick. Yeah. My sister was super offended by this. I'm running on two hours of sleep right now, and I had been up for like 25 hours beforehand. So like I don't care, but I'm like, uh, what? And she was just like, I think it's bullshit. You can take my truck if you want to. And I was like, what? And like, I, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, and like, Next thing he knows, he's driving down the freeway. <laughs> One hour of sleep in the last day. <laughs> Somehow I end up in Mexico. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> um... But no, like, and then he comes knocking on, or they come knocking on the door, and the per- or because it's small town etiquette, like, they, she let him borrow some dirty towels to put down on the bottom of his, or as floor mats. She's like, oh, don't worry about it, we got towels. And then they both got into it, and like, I'm too tired to deal with it, 
but they start yelling at each other and like 10 years worth of grievances start popping up on both ends <laughs> over putting towels down on his truck. It yeah. was, you know, Robbie's it, like, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm still trying to wake up fully at this point. It was a whole big fucking thing. And like, that's how like my weekend started that weekend. But yeah, we went to a wedding. It was a nice little, or a nice little reception, but I was still tired at, at set reception. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm still kind of angry also about, like, yeah, the don't towel. get your dirt on my new car. <laughs> That's a whole new thing. Like, I just say to my sister to joke around with her. It's like, don't forget to put a towel down first. I grew up in a very different household, I guess, but, like, that doesn't even phase me. Because, like, I grew up in a house where it's, my mom has told my dad, don't use the bathroom. I just cleaned it. And he's just not supposed to use that bathroom. Yeah, not until it naturally gets dirty again. Yeah, That's how bathrooms work. <laughs> you should just never use things that are cleaned. Yeah, yeah. I never got angry about it, but I think I was too tired to get offended by him <laughs> telling me to put a towel down. Uh, also with that, on the way back, because like it is chilly season, but we're mm. also still in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. So like there was a company that was like trying to help some of the farmers you know, sell off their stock. Right. Still, and so like what they would do is they would have you um, order online. Gel? She's super, super into eating green chili. Like that's her probably her favorite thing about living green in Colorado. Green chili is delicious. Green yeah. chili is great. That's one thing she loves about Colorado is that we put sh- green chili on everything. But yes, um, she should. She wanted to buy some, but like it became like this whole big weird thing. And on the way up there, we had to go pick up the chili. But like we only had like a very short time window to go do it. So you're speeding to pick up this chili. Oh yeah, now? we were like speeding to get this chili. <laughs> You get stopped by the police are like, excuse me, and she's like, excuse you, I have to get chili. And he's like, oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry, this is Colorado. Yeah, I'll take the ticket away now. <laughs> Let you off on the floor. I get the ticket now, actually, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're going to give you a fix-it ticket, and in order to redeem it so that we don't actually charge you for speeding, you're going to have to come and bring some chili to us. <laughs> I can actually see that happening in yeah, Colorado. Yeah, I can see that happening, yeah. Um, it was the weirdest thing because, like, uh, she emailed them back and forth saying, like, we're going to have to travel three hours to go pick up this chili. It was one that was, like, we didn't even leave until, I think, like, no, it was, like, 2.30 or something like that. And, like, you have to pick it up between 5 and 5.30. And uh, whenever we went to go pick it up, they told us where to meet them. And I kept on saying, like, it was, like, a parking or it was a parking lot that was, like, right next to an old person's home. Like, one of those seven-story parking lots kind of thing. Anyway, long story short, they thought we were buying drugs. It it felt like a drug deal. It it legitimately did. Like, it was empty when we we went in there. There was, like, three other cars, and, like, there was, like, one person wearing a mask. It was, like, just kept looking back and forth. (laughs) And they're, like, I think he drove past her. It's, like, what do you... who did I drive past and like had to turn around and she just has like two big bags of chili. Like, Hey, here, here to pick up the chili. Like we did a back alley chili deal. It was the weirdest fucking yeah, like just over the, tr- the trench coat. There's just two pots of chili in it. I'd be impressed if someone could pull that off. Honestly, just like somehow holding chili, but she was really happy with it. Cause like she bought a bushel full and then got an extra half a bushel because there's someone else who just straight up didn't pick up their order. Dope. And it's one of those, like, you roast the chili and you don't pick it up, it's going to go bad. Right. Yeah, exactly. You got to freeze that shit. Yeah. It'll last you all year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's what we did is, like, the next day was just us, uh, like, she spent six hours just peeling chili and freezing it. Yeah. Okay. In my mind, it was already, like, made yeah, into- Yeah, it was a cooked pot of chili for you? No, like, salsa. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> no, these are just, like, the actual chili peppers that have been roasted, but, like, after being after being roasted, you have to, you know, take the seeds out okay. and take the, yeah, yeah, take the skin okay, off yeah. and everything. That makes so. a slightly more sense than <laughs> my, just, like, you had to just, like, boxes of green chili. <laughs> with, uh, with me, say, my long two-week hiatus that I've had from you guys. But, Sam, how have you been? 
Mine is going to be short and sweet. I've been working, and that's pretty much it. Cool. Again. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Some guy bought me Taco Bell one night. That was weird. That's cool. It's also, like, I wouldn't have eaten that at all. I definitely would not have eaten well, that. I did Taco eat Bell. it because it was free Taco Bell. <laughs> you could have did you wake up three days later in Mexico? Okay, actually, I have more questions about the Taco Bell thing. Wait, so was it just like a random customer who was like, hey, do you like Taco Bell? And he like went out of his way, like he bought his stuff, went, bought Taco Bell, and brought you back Taco Bell? Um, I think he was like trying to hit on me. I'm not sure. <laughs> did he have the Taco Bell ready? Is this like his move? Like, hey, no. you're hot. Here's a burrito. He came through the drive-thru and he just kept like talking and talking a lot and a lot and a lot. And I was just like standing there like, okay. <laughs> and then he's like, hey, I'm going to go get some Taco Bell. Do you want some Taco Bell? I'm like, no, thanks. He's like, I'm going to get you some Taco Bell. I was like, no, thanks. And then he just came back like an hour later with some Taco Bell. <laughs> Wait, an hour? An hour? Is it that Taco far? Bell's like four blocks away from where you work. <laughs> well, maybe like 45, 30 to 45 No, you, this still isn't adding up. It should be a 10-minute trip sometimes. to Taco Bell. <laughs> Um, but other than that, it's been pretty uneventful. Okay, uh, cool. Like my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How is the host with the doctor's sleep? <laughs> That's me. Uh, good. Good, I guess. Life has been very lifey lately. Uh, I've really just been spending all of my free time watching things. Like, just everything actually like that's just what i've been spending all my time on is watching a whole bunch of stuff catching up on stuff i went to go and sell season one and two of game of thrones that i had when it first came out because like like show came out and like season three is about to start like all right everyone says it's great i have nowhere to watch this i guess i should just buy these two seasons for 50 dollars each and you're like this is too good for me i'm going to sell it uh uh, spoiler i don't like game of thrones very much (laughs) At the time, I thought maybe I still did. Turns out I don't like it that much. Uh, um, Wait, did you try it again? Is that what, where this is going? No, I went oh, to okay. go and sell them to entertain Mart here, and they would give me 10 cents for each season. <laughs> they don't want it either. They have so many copies of Game of Thrones there. They have an entire shelf dedicated to copies of Game of Thrones. They, ha- they, have, a shelf of, they have a shelf of DVDs <laughs> that says, please steal me on it, and it Game of Thrones well is half of that shelf. Yeah, well... Those were on, like, the special edition Blu-ray collector's boxes that came with DVD copies and a bunch of, like, behind-the-scenes stuff, which is uh, kind of cool, I guess. But then I also sold them my Penny Dreadful series oh, collection okay. on DVD, and they gave me $8 for that. Wait, you actually took their offer of $0.10? Cents. No, no, no. Okay, no, I was no, going to no. say! I would make more money by throwing it in the garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would throw it in the garbage, and a quarter would fall out of the garbage. I would make more money that way. I wonder how much they sell it for? $15. Damn, they're making a profit. Yeah, it's quite the markup. Yeah, they've been getting worse, <laughs> unfortunately, about their prices. Price, yeah. Buy to yeah. sell ratio. GameStop. Uh, about comparable. About that, yeah. Um, except they actually will take your old video games as well. Whereas GameStop's like, nope, yeah. no game. You cannot give me your Game Boy copy of Ed and Eddie: The Misadventures, despite that being <laughs> worth millions of dollars. I will not take it. <laughs> Relative to your taste, I think, is important to mention. Um, But, yeah, so I sold them that Penny Dreadful on DVD. Uh, The only reason I did that, because anybody who's listening to this should know that I love Penny Dreadful, is because I bought it on (laughs) Blu-ray. Not even 4K? Not on 4K. 
not a thing for it. Uh, but that is going to be a collector's item here in a few years. That's going to be a really hard show to find, I'm guessing, if you don't have a Showtime subscription. But with that very long intro out of the way, yep. yeah. we should uh, get on to what this episode is actually about, I guess. Yep. Which I suppose it's Game fitting. Game of Thrones. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's fitting that the intro is very long because this movie. Um, this week, like I said, we are watching Doctor Sleep. came out 2019. Directed, written, and edited by Mike Flanagan. Uh, director who I enjoy quite a bit. He's done some great horror things in the recent years. He's he's fairly well known. He did Oculus. Rift? Um, no. No, <laughs> God, no. <laughs> the, uh, the original one? The, all of it. All of Oculus. Oh, the film. Fuck. My brain is... No, I was thinking of Ouija for some reason. <laughs> um, I think he did do Origin of Evil, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Let me double check. Yeah, Mike Flanagan also did Ouija Origin of Evil. Okay. Oculus is how he got his start, obviously, which is a horror movie that I love quite a bit. It's about a haunted mirror. Did a movie called Hush. Did a movie called Before I Wake, uh, Gerald's Game. And then he did the beloved Netflix show Haunting of Hill House as well. I've never even heard anyone So the man knows that. his horror then. The man knows his horror quite a bit. And he knows his character development quite a bit as well, I would say. The man knows how to make jump scares really well. <laughs> he is good at that also. But honestly, I think he's just really good at character development. That's kind of his bag, I feel. So yeah, I guess I should ask here, uh, Sam, I know you've seen it because I showed this movie to you. Yeah, recently. Well, sort of recently. It was this year. It was like least. early, early this year. This year has been like 10 years, so I don't blame you. Yeah, for... like I <laughs> I am shocked. I forgot this movie came out in 2019 even. Yeah. Robbie, have you seen Dr. Sleep? I have not. Good, good. And E, of course, has not seen it. What? Not even a question. <laughs> now, to be fair... It's not uncommon for me to see a sequel without watching the original That's movie. That's true. I'm actually kind of shocked you haven't seen this already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess I'm going to ask, uh, start with E here. Hello. What do you think Dr. Sleep is about? All right, I was told it was the sequel to The Shining. Correct. Okay. You got it. I think it's going to be about a psychiatrist. Okay. And his goal is to understand what the heck is up with the hotel California, what's it called? Oh, Outlook, right? <laughs> yeah, Outlook. Outlook. Yeah. He's, he's trying to figure out what's up with the hotel Outlook, so he psychoanalyzes woman. What's her name? Woman? Woman. I don't, I don't remember any of these characters, any of the characters' names. Who's woman? Jill. The wife. Wendy. Wendy. Because Chili. I don't know. Uh, he, so the psychiatrist is going to psychoanalyze Wendy's dreams because she is still shook from the bad that happened there. <laughs> okay. Okay. I like that take. I like that take. And if not Wendy, uh, child. Dan. <laughs> Dan. Danny. Danny. Okay. So one of them is going to get psychoanalyzed, but it if becomes- If not woman, child. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the episode. If not woman, child. <laughs> It gets too real for the psychiatrist where when he sleeps, he starts seeing Jack and Jack is trying to kill him in his sleep as he is the doctor, the hit, the titular doctor sleep. Okay. Jack isn't the psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, just <laughs> that is my guess. All right. I like that take. I do like that. Robbie, what yeah. do you think this movie's going to be about? So I feel like it's going to be a movie dealing with the... Danny, now or now as a grown up, knowing yeah. that he was He's no longer part, child, <laughs> yeah, no longer child, no longer woman child. <laughs> um, as an adult, uh, 
not knowing the full extent of like you know his abilities or anything like that until he gets older and then having like a revisit back to this place that uh traumatized him as a child and not understanding why and when he gets there he just sees the ghost of stanley kubrick and he keeps on making him repeat these moments in his life over and over again (laughs) until he becomes super traumatized by even thinking about it cool okay (laughs) uh you're closer robbie (laughs) goes to stanley kubrick just everywhere in this movie so weird yeah just fucking people over from beyond the grave. Yeah. Uh, Sam obviously has seen it, so you don't get a guess on this one. Actually, I have to ask, does Kubrick have anything to do with this movie? No, he's way dead before this became oh, this yeah, was in production. Uh, Kubrick died early 2000s, like 2003 or something like that? He died in the middle of production of his movie Artificial Intelligence. That was like 2001. Yeah. And also uh, Spielberg took up the helm on that to try and like finish it and be like, hey, here's this project. And- right. I was going to say, I had no idea he had anything to do with that film. I thought that was a, yeah, I just straight up thought that that was a Spielberg film. Yeah, that was originally Kubrick. Huh. Yeah. Weird, huh? <laughs> the more you know. All right. Let's get to the back of the box here. <clears throat> Still scared by the trauma he endured as a child at the Overlook Hotel, Dan Torrance faces the ghosts of the past when he meets Abra, a courageous teen who desperately needs his help and who possesses a powerful extrasensory ability called the shine. That's it. Does Danny still have the shine? That's it. That's what you uh, know now. Yeah, this is bad. the part you know. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, it is available to uh, watch online, kind of. Is it one of those, like, you have to have a specialty service? You need one service specifically. <laughs> um, so Warner Brothers owns the rights to Dr. Sleep and all of that stuff. And as many of you or a couple of you may know, Warner Brothers owns HBO. So the only place that's on a subscription that you can stream it is through HBO Max. Or you can do it through Amazon if you have an HBO subscription. Or Hulu <laughs> if you have an HBO subscription. I think you get the idea. Yeah. You can watch it through Hulu as long as you have a Shutter subscription through HBO, <laughs> through Magnolia, through Sling TV. It may as well be. Um, <laughs> the other thing is they don't put it up for rent. So you can't huh. rent this film, unfortunately. That's so weird. it's one of those, like, you have to subscribe to our service in order to watch this. Or Go purchase fuck yourself. It. Yeah. yeah. You can't rent it. So if you want to watch it online without having HBO Max, you can do Vudu, YouTube TV, or Google Play for fourteen ninety nine. Yep, and then I guess you just, you're buying it. And then it. you just own it on digital. Why would you buy it and then only digital? I don't understand that. The funny thing about that one movie that we watched on this podcast that I own digitally. Oh, the one, the only one we've watched. <laughs> uh, was, um, I, uh, I think it was This Is The End because it was literally cheaper to buy it on digital than it was to rent it. So E, here's yep. a couple things for you that you're not going to like. Uh-oh. It's Rated R for disturbing and violent content. Some bloody images, language, nudity, and drug use. Why nudity? What does this need? Do they have? Do the do the dog? Does the dog come back to suck off another man? <laughs> hmm, maybe. <laughs> Congratulations! I forgot about that scene until you just reminded me. It scarred me. <laughs> I am never able to sleep without seeing no. <laughs> So here's the other thing: mm-hmm. there is a theatrical and a director's cut for this movie. Um, Are we watching the director's cut? We're watching the director's cut. Okay, obviously it adds it, it's uh, it's a lot. It adds a lot to the movie. So the theatrical runtime is 152 minutes. The director's cut runtime is 180 minutes. It's a three-hour film. 
So it's no Deer Hunter. There's that at least. Yeah. <laughs> I still hold the record for bringing the longest movie to this podcast. Boy, do you. Yep. Excuse <laughs> you. Do you remember how long Foster's was, Jariah? It was almost an hour. I know. <laughs> <laughs> almost a whole hour. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, that means it is time for us to go and watch this film. We will be back in three-ish hours our time. Just a few moments for you guys. We'll talk to you in a little bit. Watching Mike Flanagan's Doctor Sleep. Mike Shenanigans, Doctor Doolittle. Mike Doodle Flanagan. <laughs> I lost the thread. <laughs> All right. Doolittle plays Doctor Sleep. <laughs> there we go. Sam in with the recovery Bobby, for yeah, Bobby plays Doodle Sleep. <laughs> All right. I want to start from my right. Uh, e. Hi. What did you think? Would you believe me if I told you I really like this? No. Okay, that's good, because I'm lying. <laughs> yeah, I, I, this was really enjoyable in a way I wasn't expecting, honestly. Cool. Um, I, so I guess I'll give a bit. I honestly am not too big into sequels ever. Even, like, video games, I'm not super big into sequels. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really expecting a whole lot going into this, especially a movie that, especially The Shining, like, how do you do a f- sequel to The Shining? Made very many, many years later. Yeah. yeah. And I'll get into it. Spoilers. So I won't say too much about the thought I had that you guys don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, really good. And I say on the buy, rent, lent, stent, gent rating that we do. Uh, I gent it for sure. Kent for sure. <laughs> no, um, I'd say buy probably. Like, Teeter, teetering, I'd teetering say. on like, buy, yeah, teetering between or buy rent and or rent. buy, yeah. Okay. Um, for the director's cut that we watched, do you think it deserved? You that know what? Time? I'm not gonna question the time. Wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I don't know what they cut in the normal version, but I'll put this in the group of the Lord of the Rings where I don't know what I would cut. Wow. Okay. Cool. I'll take that. <laughs> take that. To take it the to bank. the bank. Yep. <laughs> All right, Robbie, what do you think? So this is going to be a weird comparison. You guys probably get the we'll get the reason why, but yeah, Doctor Doolittle too. I can yeah. See. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of weirdly put this movie in like the same category as like Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Okay, but, I could see where you have the comparison. Yeah, uh, but the reason why I say that though isn't because like there's any other than the fact that it's a sequel that's done years and yeah, years later, forty nine years yeah. after. <laughs> I mean, this is technically a 40, or yeah, 40 years after. Almost 40. Yeah, almost 40. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like almost a 40 they year waited. They should have waited. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the reason why is because, like, you know, it's sequel made way, way later. And, like, if the original Shining is the foundation of it, this is the building that they are built on top yeah. of it. And they did a very good job building the story on top of it with this one. Like, I actually, without getting into spoilers, I think it is also a very enjoyable movie. And when it comes to, like, the director's cut, I feel kind of the same way without seeing the original cut. Um, everything that was in this movie did feel important. Kind of like how you said with Deer Hunter, how that movie didn't do a very good job of respecting your time. Despite this being a long movie, it does respect your time and everything that you see in the movie does feel important, even though it's like a three hour long movie. It doesn't make you watch a wedding for half of the movie. Yeah, for half the movie. It doesn't make you watch these guys play a prank on their friend while driving away from him while he keeps on trying to get back into the car for 
25 minutes. Like everything like I said feels important. Everything feels in its place. Like it's supposed to be there for this long journey. And it's, it is a very enjoyable movie. I did really like watching it. I would say this is an easy buy for me. Man, October has been really high ratings. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. <laughs> All my ratings have been high. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think so. Yeah. I don't oh. remember what I gave the shunning, quite frankly, but it was very it was, high. It yeah, was, it was I, you gave it a nine. Okay, you gave it a nine. Got it. And I don't. You think you gave Monster House an eight? No, a six. Was think, it a six? Yeah. I forgot we watched Monster House for the October. <laughs> none of us gave it. A, none of us gave it a high rating for no. that. Like I think the highest rating was like a six point five or a seven, maybe. Yeah, but I brought that movie, so that doesn't yeah. count. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Sam. All right, let's bring it down a notch, then, guys. Balance Ooh. it out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I think it's too long. Honestly, it might just be like because it's the extended cut or whatever, mm-hmm. and I don't know what would be cut or what was cut or anything. Um, but I I think it does the thing in a lot of King movies where it sort of um picks and choose chooses plot lines and storylines, sort of like just flows into the next thing i guess does that make sense it just sort of picks and chooses it, i i don't yeah <laughs> i, I kind of okay, agree i don't know if it makes sense um if it makes sense i had it all organized in my mind you didn't much you didn't better. bust out the whiteboard <laughs> you didn't put it all in a filing cabinet no my brain does not look like uh, a wall of filing cabinets. Sorry, no. it's the fucking whole bunch of stacks of papers everywhere. Hey, I was gonna say, <laughs> you know that desk happens. where there's just paper stacked on top of it, like mountains. Like that's her mind. And I lose everything, like all the time. <laughs> everything is just, like absorbed into everything else. Ends up looking for something and can't find it until she's looking for something else. And then she finds it when it doesn't matter anymore. Um, let me try to say this a little bit better. All right. Okay. Like I feel like the the film adaptations sort of pick and choose what storylines they want to uh, showcase. I guess I don't know. I haven't read the book, so I can't say. But I, I feel like it does this thing where it picks and chooses storylines to showcase, just to, like easily slide into the next plot point or whatever. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Um, I, it does make like, sense. I feel, I, like there's lot, I feel like there's a lot of things that you wouldn't really get if you didn't read the book. And I feel like maybe it's a different I feel like it's a different sort of vibe than like The Shining. It is 100%. Yeah, I feel really like different. The Shining it was a bit easier to follow and less uh bouncing around from plot point to plot points. Uh, storylines and flashbacks and to be fair this is only six chapters of the book (laughs) (laughs) Uh, stuff that you'd probably expect to be in the book i guess i don't know so for anyone who's listening the the movie is broken down into six chapters (laughs) yeah basically every half act is a chapter (laughs) i don't know maybe it's just like my frustration because like i always like to read the books just to get better context and backstory and stuff for the movies because it doesn't always explain everything in the movies because it doesn't have time to explain everything so maybe it's just like a me thing (laughs) maybe yeah and i think in spoilers i'll try to go into that and like things that you guys have questions about because i have read the book or listened to the audiobook (laughs) all right i'll show you is the dog sucking the man off in the book no (laughs) all right spoilers also there's no dog sucking guys off in this movie either (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. 
Yeah, usually he had to we... cut something out. <laughs> but I guess I will get to uh, the whole wrench stream five, whatever. Yeah. We can talk about everything else, so I won't get into it too much, but um, it's okay. I think The Shining is better. But obviously, if you're a Stephen King fan, you're going to want to watch this, especially if you read the book. So, uh, like, personally, it's like a stream for me, but that's like for most things. <laughs> anyway so <laughs> okay okay and as for me i really do enjoy this i enjoy it probably in some ways more than the shining in some ways less than the shining kubrick's shining i should say i just think that the performances are really just captivating in a way that it kind of in the shining how the performances are captivating but i can feel better about liking the performances in this one because I know that the director didn't treat everybody like garbage on set. Yeah, as far as we know. He, he trusts <laughs> his actors to do an actual acting job. Yeah, yeah. And if you listen to the Shining episode, then something I'm going to say here, uh, Kubrick brought all of his crew along with him, like his behind-the-stage crew a lot of the time, or behind-the-scenes crew. Flanagan, isn't, Flanagan is the same way, but with his on-screen talent. So there's quite a bit of people in this movie that are just in everything that he does. I won't say the characters exactly, because maybe spoilers, but you don't. If you don't want that kind of stuff spoiled. Yeah. Um, but there's, he brings people with him and he's very respectful towards material and very respectful towards Stephen King. He's done a lot of, a few Stephen King adaptations at yep. this point. He's like, you know, Stephen King, I know you wanted that car a bright blue. You got it, my dude. <laughs> kind of, Another actually. thing that would make sense if you didn't watch the Shining episode, but that's all right. Or listen to it, preferably. It'd be hard to watch it, I suppose. Listen. They give you a vi- a visual on Podbean. You can see the picture of our icon. <laughs> it's true. You can do that. Yeah, I honestly really do love this movie. And I think Ewan McGregor plays adult Danny so perfectly. Like, I don't, I don't see Ewan McGregor when I'm watching him. I just see, like, man, Danny got fucked up, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm able to get lost in this movie and in the characters and the performances. And maybe some of that is because I did uh, read the book. Read the book. But I read the book after I saw the movie for the first time. So I don't know. I can't, I'm, that's chicken or the egg. I'm not really sure if I loved the movie and then... Oh, I know I liked the movie the first time <laughs> I watched it. And that led me on to the book. But I'm not sure if reading the book led me to enjoy the movie more. That's right, the part right. that I'm really not entirely sure on. That's completely fair. I do feel like I have a much better understanding of the world and wherever all the characters are at because of the book. And I think that that's one of the things that the director's cut does really well is it gives you more time with the characters because yeah. it's not really the director's cut isn't big giant scenes cut out. It's really not that. It's just that he lets scenes breathe longer and he lets lines of dialogue just kind of linger a little more. Like, it's not like, okay, here's this 25-minute scene that I cut out the middle of the movie. It's like, all right, here's 45 more seconds on this scene. Here's a minute more on this scene. Here's getting to see a reflection in this scene. Like, it's just small little things like that that he just keeps in. And just kind of letting the actors let their performances be what they are. Which, once again, without trying to get the spoilers too much, since we're not into the spoilers yet, um, I feel like it's needed for this movie because there is a lot of growth with the characters in this movie. Yeah, there is. Um. But yeah, I honestly, I really do love it. It is easy buy for me. Day one, I bought it as soon as I could. It's really a really great movie. I like it a lot. I do. Yeah, which I guess let's go on to talk some details about this movie and the differences between the book and the attachments it has to the Kubrick Shining, which there are a few of those. 
for people that don't know, in a way, this is a sequel to Kubrick's Shining and Stephen King's The Shining. Yeah, because that is one thing that I asked you early on in this is like, is this canonically the book are following the book or canonically following the movie? And you just looked at me and said, yes, and then kept on watching. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that a lot. And uh, we'll be right back. And we're back. Yeah. All right. So, Sam, give us the quick synopsis of this movie. What happens? Okay. There's some flashbacks. There's some sad stuff. There's some hungry people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some uh, child abductions. Yep, yep. <laughs> By the hungry people, don't forget. By the hungry people. <laughs> I'm really bad at synopsis. <laughs> synopsis is... <laughs> Uh, All right, could we get a little more um, detail synopsis? <laughs> okay, um, let me see. Okay, so this is a sequel to The Shining, and it follows Danny, and it talks about The Shining way more than the first one talks about The Shining. And um, there's a girl, and she, like, shines so fucking bright. She's, like, the shiniest shiny. Yeah, she's like a diamond. <laughs> and the the hungry people want to eat her. So, uh, the hungry people, the lady with the hat and all that, um, they track her down and there's a filing cabinet thingy and, <laughs> yeah. and they try to eat her, but, uh, she's too shiny, too strong. Yeah. She has too much steam and they like it, but they can't have it. <laughs> <laughs> There's the synopsis. (laughs) I kind of want to call them hungry, hungry hippies now, though. Go ahead. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) You're legally obligated to, I guess. So, yeah, Sam is correct. It does follow Danny, Dan Torrance. Um, We get to see him when he was a kid and then how he kind of deals with the the shining and the overlook and how, like, literally and figuratively haunts him still and his dad and his dad's behavior and his death. And we get to see those effects into his adulthood and how he relies on drinking like his father did and how he's not really sure how to solve his problems. Yeah. And we get to be introduced to a character called Abra, who I'm is... I'm gonna say, what kind of... That's not a name. <laughs> that's <laughs> a Pokemon. When she was born, it would be around the 90s. Maybe her yeah. dad's just a big nerd. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, we're, we live in the... Like, she's around that age group, and we're around around that time where people are naming their kids, like, App City and... Yeah, and... <laughs> Khaleesi like, and all those other weird things that those poor, poor kids are going to have to be named. Imagine being a kid named Abra, though. Come on. She likes magic. Because she's fucking shining. Oh, <laughs> that's really stupid. What? Oh, did you just notice that, Sam? Yeah. Her name is part of Abra Kadabra. She's Abra because she's magical. Yeah. Ugh. Which I should say, like, that first scene where she's like, do you know a magic word? I was expecting her to speak backwards Latin for a second. Actually, yeah, the, okay, so the movie does the obvious abracadabra. It should have been something to, like hocus pocus. It's just like not even, not even acknowledge her name's Abra. That would have been good. But yes, Stephen King claims that he did not intentionally do that. Bullshit. That's not a name. <laughs> Anything can be a name. <laughs> that's not a name you give a thing. Of that's, not something maybe I, a- that's something I name, and I'm a bad writer. <laughs> I mean, have you seen Elon Musk's kid's name? I don't believe he's real. I don't know. <laughs> also, so is Stephen King, so it's fine. <laughs> it's just not a name. Like, I, I, don't buy, I don't buy Stephen King. I don't care. Like, maybe it was subconscious, 
But there's no way he was like, yeah, the super magical girl, Abra. That doesn't mean anything. And like, I bet I, I walk up, Stephen. Hey, Stephen King, what's what's Abra's middle name? And he's like, Kadab. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, also, who are you? How'd you get in my house? <laughs> he he answered me first though, because you know he's a nice yeah, man. He's a nice man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm calling you out on your shit. Stephen King, I know you're listening. You're yeah, one of sure, you're one yeah. of the listeners in Brazil, wherever it was from. <laughs> Romania. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah. We get introduced to Abra. She shines the brightest that anybody's ever shined. And then we are also introduced to the true knot, spelled K N O T. Yeah, because yeah. you can't untie a true knot. I don't also know Once a knot is tied, it's always tied. That's no. You can definitely untie no. basically any knot with enough force. Well, as it's proven, you can do that. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. well, yeah, I guess maybe that was super foreshadowing from Stephen King that that's their downfall. You know, at the end of the movie where he like unties, uh, I don't remember, unties Rosie <laughs> from her knot <laughs> and she disappears. Um, it is uh, it is kind of foreshadowing because yeah. they all are attached to each other. So when one feels pain, they all feel pain. And yeah. They're all together. They're strong. If they're separated, they're weak. I don't. The only person that really seems like they feel pain is Rosie, and I feel like that's because she was using powers to watch. Like, none of the others seem like when the other person got shot, they also got hurt. It seemed to only be Rose. It is Rosie, right? I'm not like... Rose. Rose, okay. Rose the hat. Rose. Rose with the hat. Rose the hat. Rose Rose the cat. Rose the hat. (laughs) Cat and the hat. Yeah, okay. Rose the cat. (laughs) But, like... She seems to be the only one who did that, and it was specifically, like, that scene. It never felt like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, she is kind of uh, intrinsically attached to everybody, basically. Yeah. She is not the originator of the true knot, obviously, as even at the end you get the little thing of like, hey, I'm not the last one. Are you kidding me? They're everywhere. Yeah. Um, There's many cannibals. Yes. Vampires, actually. It's more cannibalistic, I'd argue. <laughs> um, it's more vampiric in the books, I'll okay. say. I'll say. Very vampiric in the books. They burn um, up in the sun. More, they have to count rice. All no, that. no. More brutal in the books, though, as well. Uh, they then are stabbing a kid in their like nuts and just constantly. Was it? Am I just like weird? No, no, okay. no. That happened. Uh, okay. Yeah, they're more brutal. More brutal in the book. The book is fucked up. <laughs> they skin him and pour salt over his body. They may as well. Okay. Um, the little thing she has in her hat. She has like a little pin in her hat. Yeah. That's used to go under children's fingernails so that they feel more pain. I don't know if that's more painful, but. <laughs> Fucking, it I would hurt. Prove it. It would. I'm not saying it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> Let's try it. Give me a toothpicky. <laughs> All right, I'll try it on you. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> um, but yes, and their whole thing is that they are dicks. They are dicks, basically, and they kidnap children and they suck uh the mist, the steam out of them, which is just a another form of the shining, really. Uh, also, for clarification, this is like a brutal murder kind of sucking, not a. Yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> it's not a weird sex thing. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a sex thing. <laughs> I know they just wanted to um just to veer off here for a second. Yeah. Uh, I felt like the the young girl, the teen girl that they get to join. Yeah, like uh, or whatever. Andy. I felt like that was sort of pointless. Maybe I, just to show like how they do it, but like Well, they clearly did it before her. <laughs> she just like died so fast. Yeah. I think she was more or less meant to, like, give a clear introduction to what they are and what they do. That, like, I honestly, I feel I like her I understand, but real... I feel like it could have been okay with her. I mean, basically, yeah. her entire point is that 
to show how they can get away with it for so long. Like she, she is an introduction to a lot of the things that you get in, uh, shown later. Like you get shown, which is uh, a lot of Stephen King stuff is shown in this movie. There's a lot of small little Easter eggs, and Snakebite Andy is kind of uh, part of that. She is known as a pusher, which only a few characters in Stephen King's universe have been pushers. Yeah. But she's able to force her will on people. Yeah, she push it, push it to the limit. Yes, limit. yes, yes. See, like that's something I wouldn't know because I haven't read the book. Yeah. Like even then, I'm gonna say in this movie, it really felt like her main purpose was so that the friend would shoot himself. Um, because I'm gonna say I felt the main purpose was uh to get that one baseball kid into the car. Yeah, like she was Listen, she was but, added to the knots because yeah, with her being a pusher, like she could bend people to her will, so it'd be easier for them to kidnap kids. I'm gonna yeah. say it's not hard to overpower a child. It's not. Mo- yeah, it's exactly. not the overpowering <laughs> part. The entire thing with the true knots is that they want to be as invisible as possible. Yeah, they want their. That's why they live in RVs and they travel all the time because they don't ever want to stagnate and be in a place and have people get to know them because they live for so long. Um, they learned through over the years. This is another thing in the book. They learn over the years that like they need to keep moving so that nobody gets to really know them. I'm just saying, like Rose basically could do her job anyways. That's how she got her in the first place, just being strong-willed and able to sleep people. I guess. Yep. Yeah. yeah but, basically. Like. But it's really, it's really just like the easier it can be on them, the better. Yeah, I guess. I'm just saying, like, from narratively in the, from a narrative standpoint, it felt like she was there as, like, that catalyst. Right. Um. So Sam is more correct on the, it's there to show how easy it is for them to just take anybody and, like, steal a boy. The baseball boy is the big catalyst in the book. That doesn't happen until halfway into the book. The, uh, the gunshot with the guy killing himself, that isn't in the book. That doesn't surprise me. If it was really sudden. There is actually a point near the end, when they're at that, having that shootout at the RV, in that uh, little resting area, when she's in the RV, and then she's about to come out, from that point on, the book and the movie are completely different. Oh. Yes. Hmm. They're nearly similar, but uh, at that point, you can consider the movie to be a sequel to The Shining, and not a sequel to Doctors. That's why they got rid of Billy. Yes. Um, in the book, that character that uh, Danny leans on, from when he goes to the town to get to dry up, because mm-hmm. um, in the movie, uh, at a certain point, Danny's like homeless and he's just going wherever he can to try and f- dry himself up yeah. and uh, not be an alcoholic anymore because he was going down a bad path, yeah, stealing like, money from women much, and all kinds of stuff. How much can seven dollars? And they're like, "There's the next town over, I guess." I don't Essentially, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "I'm far away from there." Yeah, and there, there's a character in the movie, Billy, who like you get introduced to, and he's like leading the tiny town. He's like kind of a staple of the town, really. Yeah. That character is two characters in the book. So there's somebody Bill that, and like, Lee. <laughs> no. <laughs> there's somebody who like helps uh Danny like get acquainted with the town. He's like kind of his uh, go to mentor, yeah. And then there's this other guy who is good with like his hands and he he's kind of knowing and he like knows the shining and stuff like that. And so in the movie they just put those two characters together in one. Which I think that I think actually that works. works really well. Yeah. It lets you know these characters a lot better. Yeah, and then um, plus like with Again, how the movie goes with like him following Dan, Danny, because of just the trust between two friends. Mm-hmm. Which I gotta say, as I was watching, like that is what I want more from Hollywood. This like really good friendship. I would go dig up a dead body for you. That kind of friendship. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, halfway through the movie is almost all just introduction, like getting to really know these characters and let these characters breathe. And so it does does a time skip to like eight years later yeah and abra is an adult 
and the no, true. She's, a, she's like well, 13. she's like middle age. She's teenage. She's middle age. She's middle age. She went from being a child to middle aged woman in eight years. <laughs> Let me try that again. <laughs> Crazy time. Nope, you're done. You. That's strike one. Um, Abra becomes a teenager. Dan is sober for eight years at that point. Right. Um, because he ends up asking Billy for help. He's like, "Hey, help me get sober. I can't do this on my own." And then the true not are in a bind. They're having a hard time finding people with The Shining, and they're basically starving to death, really, at this point, which is what leads them to this boy, this baseball boy. And in the movie, there's this baseball boy, and this is something fun, a little fun fact I mentioned in the Shining episode as well, that the guy who, the kid who played Danny in the original only ever did one other acting gig, and that was for this movie. Uh, in the movie, when the guy's like, Hey, here's this baseball kid, and he's going to go far. He never misses a ball, ever. It's like uh, he can read the pitcher's mind. Yeah, the, kid, the guy who says that is the guy who played Danny in The Shining. Yeah, in the original? Yeah. Because you pointed him out, and then I took a second look at him and went, oh. Yeah, yeah. I, there's no way in a million years I would connect that dot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a, his little cameo to be like, I still exist. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so the True Knots find this kid, and for some reason the kid's walking home alone. And so the true not take him and they brutally and horribly murder and mangle him while they suck the steam out that leaks out of him. Mm -hmm. And this is the inciting incident that makes Abra freak out and get a hold of Dan and be like, hey, we have to fucking do something about this. And then the rest of the movie is a culmination of them working together to try and find this boy. And they eventually do. And that leads them to find the true not. But the true not, since Abra has this huge footprint of shining now. The true not are also going after her because she's the white whale of it all. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna put this here. The steam thing. Not really into it. No. No. Why not? It's just silly. I mean, yeah. But I mean, all <laughs> horror is inherently I silly. <laughs> I think it works. Yeah. But that's but, uh, just me. It's just like, oh, they're dying, and then there's smoke. Yeah, it's a little, it's smoke, weird. They pinch backs, you know. It's weird, but I bought into also, it. Also, here's another. Here's another question. So, like, um. <laughs> They're dead, basically, right? Who the true not? Yeah, think of them like vampires. Yeah, so they eat um the steam. That's how they survive. That's so like, why they... was she like buying groceries? They like, still have to eat. They're stuff. still they still have a body. Okay, Actually, you know what? Okay. I I said this while we were watching. You know the real way. You know that they're evil people. They put a skillet on their grill to make hamburgers. <laughs> Who does that? That's not a human thing. That's how you know they're the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, there, there's just like this random scene where the man who plays Grandpa Flick, mm-hmm. actually, who is seven feet tall in real life. So like Big they guy. just got a really tall guy, which yeah. I think that's kind of his thing in Hollywood is like when they need someone tall, they call him. But um, he's <laughs> making burgers for them and he's doing it on a grill but he has cast iron skillets on top of the grill. So yeah. he's making hamburgers on a skillet on a grill. He didn't want grilled hamburgers, Robbie. He wanted skillet hamburgers. <laughs> they have fire. Yes. <laughs> they can just cook it on the fire. It's a different texture. Eat. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't hit worse. the same. <laughs> so I didn't actually see them as vampires as much. Like I see what, where they were going with like making them like vampires. They more or less reminded me of like heroin addicts almost. I could see that too. Because it's just like the way that they like desperately cling on to needing that steam. So like they still need to eat. They still need to take care of themselves and everything like that. They still need to do all the things that a normal human would have to do. But they need their fix. You're not wrong. Um, yeah. That's baked into that the idea of the story. That would make more sense than just like them uh, eating just to you know, seem to survive. <laughs> that, that's how I saw it is they needed their fix. And in 
Abra, they saw like basically, I guess you can see like a gold mine of whatever yeah. kind of drug it is within Abra, which it's kind of like, you know, it's you hear all these stories. Like I'm pretty sure if you look up stories of people are people who used to be drug addicts of like the crazy things that they would do to get their drugs. And this is kind of like someone in a desperate need of a fix that's doing crazy things to try to get their drug. And that is baked into the idea of them as well, because whereas The Shining was an alcoholic Stephen King, he himself has said, I was an alcoholic functioning, but still an alcoholic. I was, pra- yeah. I was a practicing alcoholic, is how he likes to say it. <laughs> that, and The Shining was his book of dealing with that and trying to work through that and get past that and figure out who he is as a person outside of the alcohol. Dr. Sleep is 100% him past that mark and saying like, okay, this is me after this point. This is my clear brain. This is how I'm thinking now. Yeah. And him having been past that. And so all of the, all the characters in it are to show that that's basically what's going on. Okay. Um, so the true not is, is very much like, yes, they are in need of their fix. And this is basically like, this is what he used to be. This is what this he is, is now. It's a metaphor of Stephen King back when he was drinking and doing cocaine while writing his books. Basically. Yeah. 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 And then there is a big giant fight between the true knot, most of the true knot, true knots and the fake knots, <laughs> and Billy and Danny, and all of them are killed off except for two, uh, the crow and uh, Rose the hat. Also, I want to say with crow, uh, a little bit of a, of a reach, maybe he really reminds me of the guy from Fargo that gets. Uh, oh the yeah, char- yeah, like, similar. Yeah, not even like his character. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. So Rose the Hat is left and the crow, and the crow ends up dying because Danny fucks him up, basically. I won't go into the details of it, but he takes Abra over and destroys the car. It's a yeah. great scene. And then it goes into a standoff at the, and this is the biggest divergence from the book of The Shining and Dr. Sleep, because in the original Shining book, the Overlook is destroyed. Burnt up, blown right, up. Right, because the boiler, you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. And so in the original Dr. Sleep book, basically they just get them all to an RV park where the Overlook used to be, but now the True Not own that because they're super rich. And so that's where they like camp out most of the time, is at this RV park that happens to be on the land where the Overlook used to be. That is such Coincidence? A- yeah, that is so much. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they're not just like drawn to that place because like, that's the because the darkness the, it's definitely yeah. <laughs> it implies that they're drawn to it because of the evil that was there once yeah um mm-hmm. but they don't know that that's why they're uh, drawn to I'm it i was gonna say doc, the movie okay. definitely is a lot more clever about that. <laughs> yeah. i agree um because it really is just them like taking them into like a restroom basically and blowing it up and then shooting the rest of the people in the book dan doesn't die the character where billy was um in this his character doesn't die Abra's parent doesn't die. Nobody on the good side dies. (laughs) Everybody on the bad side dies. Only Dan. I'm booing. He's he's dead. That completes his character arc. It does, actually. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Like, the the book I like more for the first two acts than I like the movie for the first two acts, but the movie I like the last act more than I like the book's last act. Yeah. I will say for the movie, uh, probably one of my favorite scenes is whenever he goes back to the Overlook and he goes and sits down at the bar, and it shows Jack Torrance being the bartender. Yes, there and that spe- and that back and forth that they both have, wherever you know they're talking about their lives and stuff like that, and it oh, that was such, such a good scene. Right. Yeah, like, I think and Jack's still bitter about it because in his mind he's still not the 
he's still the victim of it yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. I think the best scenes in this movie are when they just let Ewan McGregor fucking just act. Yeah, That's I think. Dan? Yeah, Danny, okay. the adult Danny. Uh, I think those are just easily the best scenes in the movie. But yeah, so in the movie, the big climactic third act, which is like the last 45 minutes of the director's cut here, all take place in the Overlook, and basically Danny waking the Overlook up so that it would try and eat the hat, um, Rose the hat. And it eventually does after a big thing, and you get a bunch of, uh, I'll say, nostalgic feelings as Dan goes through. Yeah, like yeah. how they were like, oh, we need the blood elevator that was just there in the original book or right. in the original movie <laughs> which is also they couldn't quite get the angle right with an actual camera so that entire hallway is digitally done that's uh, all just, cg it doesn't feel as impressive you could tell even. you could tell because i was like yeah this just doesn't look as good there was a couple weird cgi choices that they made mm. in the movie nothing that's really like breaks the movie or anything like that but little things that i noticed about it while i was watching it yeah like one good example cuz uh whenever they're talking in the car heading up to the overlook mm-hmm. uh you can see that they're trying to fake reflections on the windows while they're driving there but they're actually on a soundstage yeah and it just like i just looked as like there's something wrong with those windows yeah whenever they're in cars and you i don't know why they did this maybe it was just they didn't want to make yeah. it look super super real or super super fake i'm not sure what happened here but whenever they're in a car driving when you can see through the back window, that's all going normal speed and it looks good actually yeah but then when it goes to a side view of them the outside is going almost half speed. Yeah. And it looks weird. I will say that. But that yeah, like I said, weird. and it looks like it's like CGI tacked onto the windows. But, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, it just makes for a weird scene. Like, besides that, like, I know, like, with some of the flashback scenes, they purposefully put a blur on a lot of it. No. It felt like they did, at least. Not a, not a purposeful blur, but they did recreate as much of that as possible. Yeah. Um, I'll get into that in a minute here. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, the entire thing is just... Basically going down memory lane of like, hey, remember this in The Shining? And it's fun and it's nice. Uh, I like it more than the book, personally. I I think most of it works. I think as a whole, it's definitely good. I just, like, I think it gets a little too caught on, like, all the, like, hey, hey, remember the blood elevator? Hey, hey, look, it's twins in the hallway. Yeah, yeah. Like, (laughs) it's a little bit much. It's like, I don't know, like, I haven't seen Ready Player One for what I sound like. There's just points where it's like, Hey, remember Iron Giant? There he is. Wow. Um, there's also a Shining area in Ready Player One. There, in the course. movie there is. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Spielberg directed it and he liked Kubrick. So here's some Shining. Um, but yeah, so this whole confrontation comes down and throughout all of Danny's life, he's been trapping every ghost from The Shining in these little boxes in his mind. And he finally lets them all out and they eat Rose the Hat and they eat Danny and he goes up to kill Abra and he has enough control to where he's not able to do that because Danny was smart, and he uh, retconned the Shining movie and made it like the book <laughs> to where he went to the boiler room and made it I think up. that's probably the most clever thing it did, where it's like, hey, mm-hmm. here's the actual ending. That, yeah. That's literally what Mike Flanagan wanted out to do. He's like, Stephen King didn't get to see his ending on the big screen, and so I wanted to give him that. And so that's kind of nice, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was... I kind of liked it, honestly. It was a nice little bittersweet ending. Yeah. How yeah. they did that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It feels very full circle. It does. And, like, that's what I think Mike Flanagan doesn't get enough credit for this, because there's a lot of, like, real hardcore fans that hate the last act of this movie because it concentrates so much on, hey, remember this from The Shining? And then they don't really like the tone from the first two acts a lot, which I can understand. Yeah. But the thing I feel like they don't give enough respect is that I think he really did meld making a sequel to the book and Kubrick's The Shining into one thing. 
and he managed to meld the like all of Stephen King's book universe stuff into it, which there's tons and tons of Easter eggs. Every scene is just flowing with Easter eggs in this movie to Stephen King stuff. Uh, yeah, probably. I've noticed a, I noticed a handful of them. I'm sure there's a lot that I missed, though. Yeah, there's like weird stuff that even on when I was doing research, I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. you know, the Tiny Town, that's from his hit, his hit book, Tiny Town Adventures. Is it, is it as crazy obscure as The Cell for like whenever I did research for it and I told you guys about it and you're like, how the fuck was I supposed to know that? You would literally... There's a poster in the background um, when they're getting Snakebite, when she's coming out of the theater. Mm-hmm. There's a poster in the town of a performer. He is in one Stephen King story once, and he's only mentioned there because he is also a pusher. So there's just a poster of his <laughs> yeah. name in the background. Ashley, so I'm going to say, why was this theater playing Casablanca in, like, 2011? Uh, it wasn't in 2011 that it was playing it. It was... Maybe it was 2011? I don't know, it doesn't really matter. It was it's, the 2000s. Yeah, uh, it's because that's Mike Flanagan's favorite movie. I get, but like, it feels so out of place. Why? There's a date for it. <laughs> theater show old movies all the time. I get, like, it just doesn't seem they like do. it'd be, like, one that's playing at that theater. Why? Well, like, Casablanca is playing in theaters right now. So, like, one good thing, <laughs> like, one thing, one good example of something like that, too, is, like, uh, whenever Dry used to take me to the theater pre-COVID all the time, uh, for, like, the first month that I moved back down here. They kept on showing previews for an old, well, I guess not an obscure, an old Japanese anime movie that they were just bringing back for theater production because it's a hard movie to see otherwise. And, yeah. I think, and it was a movie that came out in 1997, and it's just because, because people like that movie. Yeah, they, they and, do that all the time. Yeah. Like, the theaters are literally just full of old movies right now, and Tenet. <laughs> <laughs> well, now there's a reason, I'm going to say. But they, they did it beforehand, just not as often. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've seen a bunch of old And I think there's probably, I'm sure there's probably just like special theaters that show just old I get, movies It just anyway. felt like yeah. weird. I, I don't know. It seems fine to me, but I'm a nerdy movie person. So yeah, it's just, I don't know. Like, that seems in place. Just like the idea of like this 15 year old posing as a younger even being like, yeah, let's be to watch Casablanca. Like, I mean, that just doesn't strike me. I mean, it's an old person. Yeah, I don't think he chose that. I mean, he chose the place, probably. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? It's actually one thing that like, they probably could have done if they really wanted to, because, like, it kind of, like you said, how the the True Knots, they're kind of vampires, and they live longer than normal people. There's no reason why they couldn't have found her in 1941, and that just happens to take place in 1941. No, they definitely gave a date before that. They did give they a did. date, but, like, if it helps, they could have done that. Like, if, it's not, like, a huge thing. I, like, yeah. I'm right, making it right. sound worse than it is. If it helps, E, in the book, it, they find her in the 80s, and they're watching Rage of the Lost Ark in the theater. Okay. If that makes it better. Like, literally, they're just watching Casablanca in here because Mike <laughs> yeah, Flanagan like, wanted to say, I like Casablanca. But, yeah. So, you get the big climax. Danny ends up dying, and the hotel blows up like it was always supposed to. Um, and then you just get a little thing of Abra's finally like admitting her powers to her mom and the true knots are dead, but they're not all dead. And Danny's a ghost and speaking to Abra and just being like, Hey, things still go on. Um, don't worry. There are still people like you who stand wink. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I saw that. And like, just the way he said, there's still people like you who stand, like just the way that he said it. I wasn't sure if that was meant to be an homage to (laughs) The stand, or if that was just... It's 100%, hey guys, remember the stand? Yeah. yeah. No. Right, you've not seen it. <laughs> everybody in the stand shines. Like, literally, it's an entire book where everybody has a shining. Oh, okay. Because the world ends. And the only people left are people who shine. Yeah. Yeah. The Easter eggs to all of Stephen King's stuff are just baked into everything. Yeah. Um, so also- much so to where there's even a line of dialogue to where if you don't know 
Dark Tower, which I didn't get the reference uh, when I saw it in theaters the first time. I thought it was actually a weird line because I thought he said cars are wheels or. Yeah. Uh, did he not? No, he's cars not saying circles. Ca- yeah, cars are circles. He doesn't say cars. He says ca. Oh. Like a, Sam like, knows what ca is. It's in Dark Tower. <laughs> okay, I was just like, is like yeah, a wheel, say, I guess? I've yeah, gotten like circle. maybe a third of the way through the first book. Right. I think it's maybe mentioned once. It's mentioned a lot in the second book. It's very yeah, that's annoying. weird. Um, but like <laughs> even on the bus line, the bus line that Danny takes to get to the town is Tet bus lines because um, in Dark Tower, it's Cotet. Uh, ka is like a connection uh, between everybody, <laughs> and Tet would be like a group. So Ka Tet is like a group connection between people. I would not have even like <laughs> right. Yeah, like so maybe like the biggest fucking Stephen King fanboys that know like yeah. Every so single it sounds fact. like the man is just like a huge Stephen King fanboy. Oh, giant! I am uh, yeah. sure he sucked the guy's dick the first second he saw him. <laughs> okay, get all that smoke out. Yeah. <laughs> Like, even in interviews, like, he was trying to get Stephen King to say he would write another story about Abra. Because he just wants to read more about Abra. Uh, yeah, he's... To he's me, Abra's an awesome character. She's great. She makes this movie, almost. She is so good. The actress... Her and Danny just are... You know, it's really hard to write, like, a uh, adult and a child character that doesn't come out as gross or it's fatherly. Yeah. Like, I think they actually hit that middle point really well, and I don't think I've seen many things that can hit that point. Right. Um, I think that's what Stephen King's writing does best. He never treats children like children. He always treats yeah. them like adults, and he, he, he lets everybody be on the same level. He never says, like, children are dummies. Um, I think It does the best at that, because the entire point he is... He writes that. <laughs> yeah. He time. wrote a lot of things that you would never imagine. Um, but like, It is about how people don't treat kids right, and kids are actually incredibly smart, and they end up saving the day. I literally just watched uh, Stand By Me, like, yeah, this last week, yeah. and that's a really good example of just Stephen King writing k- kids really fucking well, Yeah. so, yeah. of course, I haven't read the book. But. <laughs> From what I understand, it's basically the same. Yeah, like, he just, he treats children with respect, and yeah. he's able to write them as feeling like kids while still making them realistic and mature. Uh, he's mean, really great at that, honestly. I praise that all the time with all the animated movies I've watched. I'll give him credit for doing it, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, let's get into some differences between the book and the movie. All right. Besides all right. the big one at the he's, end. Yeah, besides Billy dying. Uh, right, because Billy is two oh, characters in the yeah, book. Yeah, he's not even real. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the biggest things that you guys wouldn't really notice, it's something that you would notice if you read the book and then saw the movie, I guess. Dick Halloran is in this movie quite yeah. a bit. He's also in the book, but... He's alive. Yeah. I think they actually did a really great job with the movie of, like, he's still having conversations with Dick Halloran as a ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, they're literally the same conversations that he has in the book. But, like, it's just, like, a little trick of, like, well, then one scene he's there, and then it goes back to him and he's not there. So you're able to put the thing in your brain, like, oh, he's a ghost. That first conversation like that is completely the same, except for the realization of him being a ghost. In the book, he's still alive during that conversation. Right. The book, uh, I think a lot of people don't realize this, goes back to The Shining a lot. Uh, there's every other chapter, there is a entire chapter for a flashback to The Shining and things that Why? were happening there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. I feel like this movie goes back to The Shining too much and it barely does. Right, it and does. the book goes back way more than Ugh. the movie, honestly. It's good, it's nice, it feels like a nice warm blanket and a nice little hug, but like it also feels like it's a bit, a bit patty, honestly. Yeah, well, like, that's my thing is like, what does it add? Because this movie, I feel like doesn't add anything when it goes back to The Shining. It basically is there to reinforce people who haven't read The Shining in a long time and be like, hey, like, these are the character roles, like, this is how everything was. 
I get. I just don't think it adds much to this movie. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Although, I'll get this out of the way. As much as I said this is a really nice sequel, I real it really feels like a sequel to The Shining overall. In to me, like it has the same characters, and I feel like that's the progression of the characters and yada yada. Mm-hmm. But like, you could have told me that Dan was a completely different character in the same universe, and I would have been like, okay. Like, yeah, I can see that. That's the main thing. It just feels like a similar mm-hmm. universe. And I'll say one thing, it's not a fault of the movie, but I don't like that it gets rid of the ambiguity of The Shining, the movie. Right, yeah. Uh, which I think a lot of people would probably be bothered by that as well, like big fans of The Shining. Me personally, since I always just had in my mind of like, well, just ghosts. Like it didn't, it felt like that's just what it was yeah. to me. I think a lot of it has to do with that The Shining really isn't Stephen King's The Shining. Right, yeah. So like mm-hmm. it was written in that way. And I it's just like it kind of feels lame to me that <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was ghosts all the time. There wasn't any turmoil really. It was just he was a ghost. And like some of the Jack's character stays, luckily, but like Yeah. It just feels kinda lame. Like Yeah, which I guess we should talk about that a little bit too. With all the flashbacks, you do get Dick Halloran and his character in there. You get Wendy, you get Jack, you get Danny. And you get different actors, obviously, portraying those characters yeah. again, because it's been quite a long time. Again, some of the other big differences are just how much of the book happens before anything happens at all. But it really is half the book before the baseball, baseball incident. Like, in the movie, whenever uh, Rose the Hat is like, who are you? There's not really even that for the book. Like, in the book, when they're at, in, at the RV park, basically... Mm-hmm. He's just shooting them all from a distance. And, like, there's a small moment to where it's like, who are you? He's like, none of your business, and kills her. <laughs> like, none of the true knots in the book have any idea who Danny is. He doesn't get involved at all until the very end. Hmm. Um, it's very strange. Yeah, there's, like, there's, like, some points where I can sort of tell that they just, like, grabbed stuff from the book just, like, for plot convenience or stuff like that. Like... I imagine, I haven't read the book, like I said, but I imagine in the book, there's like this big old backstory with the baseball kid. There's like a whole chapter. And he's like, back when <laughs> I was wrong? a young boy, I always dreamed of being an athlete baseball man. <laughs> um, there is not a big backstory with the baseball kid. It really is just, it's actually set up in the book to where you know even less about the baseball kid. You don't it's, even know he's a kid. No, it's basically like they just killed this kid and it's it's detailed and it's put out like, and it's really brutal how the true not do it, but it's not shown as being this big thing at first. Um, it's kind of shown as like, oh, here's just another murder because it shows a lot more of their murders. That's just the one that Abra really gets involved with. Does it like feel like it's worth it in the book to show all of them though? It's my question. No, that's no. what I was gonna say because like the movie doesn't bother and well, it shows a uh, Violet and it doesn't even show that. It just is like, like she they find Violet. And abduct her, and then later it's like, here's the essence of Violet. She tastes like flowers. <laughs> yes, which I honestly like that scene a lot. But yeah, it's, it, silly. it's, it's silly. It's very silly. Um, I think what the eh. book does more <laughs> is that it lets Danny breathe and lets you feel his suffering, and it goes into the backstory of the True Knot in general a lot more. Um, and into Abra. Like, her parents really do, you really get the sense, like, her parents view her as a monster. Uh, the piano thing that it does at that first thing, it goes way more into that. The piano would just play all the time uh, until they like got really mad at her, and then she like stopped playing it because she realized her parents were shunning her. Um, and she felt like an outcast and a mutant until she 
one day like feels the essence of Danny and Danny kind of feels the same way. So like that's their bond is they both feel like they're they're not real people. They feel like they don't have anybody. I I don't feel like you need that though cuz I feel like in this movie you completely understand that. Right, I, I think the movie does do a pretty good job of that. Yeah. Um it gives up more time to breathe though. And like one thing that I am really happy about in the movie, I'm actually shocked they put it in the movie is when you get to see Danny's like really big moment. It's the moment that sticks with him in the book of why he like ever does anything good in the book, honestly. The lady and the child. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> he is super, super brutal about it in the book. Like everything that's in the movie does happen in the book. If memory serves correctly in the theatrical cut, he doesn't steal the money. Ooh. Right. That's what my memory says, though. I haven't seen the theatrical cut since seeing it in theaters, though. Yeah, since 1947. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in the director's cut, I remember being like, oh, hey, they actually made him do that. So I feel like it's not in the theatrical cut that he steals the money. But yeah, he's basically a giant shit heel, And that's the thing that destroys him and makes him like lose his job, makes him run away to the other town is because he can't stop feeling like if he just did the right thing for once, he could have saved these people but he kept following the footsteps of his father. And so it flashes back to that a lot for him. In the book, at the end, um, like the thing he's been running away from, the reason why like, he eventually helped Abby is because like, he feels this guilt from letting them die and drown in this tub is how they died. Uh, they drowned in the tub one night when the mom used too many drugs and she passed out. Okay. And then the kid starved to death. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't get that vibe from the movie. From the movie, I got the vibe that Whenever she puked in the bed and was still asleep, like she wasn't asleep. Was she, that she, what that was? Yeah, that was yeah, puke. That oh. was puke. Super gross, right? That was like mm-hmm. hash. So, <laughs> what? Yeah, hash? Was, like drugs, yeah. Oh. Weed. <laughs> Marijuana. Why would that just be near her face? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> Do I look like someone who knows how drugs work? Oh, honey, sweetie, baby pie. <laughs> oh, my sweet summer child. That's how you take marijuana. Yeah, you just like stuff in your mouth. You're like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, they just drank so much they just fell asleep while they were chewing on it. No, (laughs) I just like I don't know. It just is like, oh yeah, sure, like a brick right there. No, no, that was her throwing up. Okay, yeah, that was her throwing up. But that's what I was thinking is like with her throwing up in her sleep is that she over or overdosed and he just ignored the fact that she overdosed and then left the kid or left the kid there the last thing that that kid ever ate was the cheez-its it was the cheez-its that he gave him before he walked out the door yeah that's that, also brutal yeah that is all like that's where my mind went with that i just didn't even process they died i thought it was just his terrible guilt of stealing the money like, no no brought those manifestations to his mind no no super dead no because it showed a bad cgi baby at one no, point like yeah. i get that i just thought that was bad his CGI guilt dead babe yeah i just thought he was like that guilty about stealing the money from this person using food stamps Oh, no, because like, even she says, like, the neighbors are so used to hearing him scream that they didn't pay attention to it when he screamed for days and days. See, I think they should have had a more clear cut because I didn't know what the fuck she was saying or the baby. <laughs> I actually do agree. I didn't understand that when I watched the movie either. It's like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you gave my son Jesus. He's lactose intolerant. <laughs> God. How's your throat doing? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it makes me wish I had water, but I'll live. Yeah, so, like, the thing that makes Danny do everything is that guilt of knowing their diet. Like, he comes back to that. Like, almost every AA meeting that he goes to, it's in his mind, like, okay, this is the day that I bring it up. Like, this is when I finally do it. And he doesn't do it until the very, very end. Like, that's his last thing, is he admits what he did. And I'll get to that in a minute, because I just want to mention that he yeah, also yeah. worked in the hospital. There's way more of him helping people die in the book. You know, I was going to say, it's fun. It's like my thing about The Shining is I said The Shining was barely a part of it. 
Mm -hmm. My thing about Dr. Sleep is the Dr. Sleep part is very little part of it. Yeah, in the movie, it is very little part of it. One thing that I also didn't realize until reading the book is that his nickname is Doc. Yeah. I I, I thought that was clever. Yeah, that is really clever, actually. That didn't click in my head until I read the book, though, and I felt like an idiot because I'm like, it was right there the whole time. (laughs) Actually, one thing I'll say about that. So, like, when he's describing with his mom saying, like, he sees, like, little black flies, Mm -hmm. he never do anything with that they just say that like no. i thought like they did they the did only a time you bit see it is movie, when but... he has when he has the first flash to uh, the woman and the baby he yeah. sees a fly on the wall that's the only time you see it in yeah, the movie but like i i really thought when it was uh super spoilers again like when he's sitting there in the boiler room mm-hmm. i thought they were gonna have like the flies flying around him like to symbolize him yeah. realizing what is going on that would have been cool they super didn't do that. I know. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they should have, but they didn't. They do like, that way more in the book. Yeah. I just, like, it's one of those things. I don't, like, I know it's because they do it in the book, probably, and mm-hmm. all that. Don't bring something up if you're not going to do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, I, I like it just because that speech is really good. Um yeah. And, like, again, this is probably from knowledge of me having read the book, Sam. But, like, to me, <laughs> like, there is, like, reference points for that, whereas the movie doesn't have it. Yeah, there's way more of him like helping people die in the book, there's actually a really, really beautiful moment to where like the guy is starting to describe his whole life in flashes, like random points in time. And then he eventually just fades off into the world. Uh, yeah. It's it's well, very, very beautiful. I think actually. we get another beautiful well, point with um the man who sees his twins though. Yeah, I think that is really that, good. Yeah. Honestly, that really just made me cry. Just watching this man slowly yeah. come to terms. Well, it's, really it's one of those things. Like I think a lot of people have a fear of that too, is like, see, uh, they have a fear of like seeing someone else die. But having someone, like, someone who's dying, apparently that's considered to be, like, one of the best ways you can comfort them is just to sit by their side and talk to them and hold their hand while they die. And so he yeah. just, he gives them that piece of, or that little piece of comfort before they die. Yeah, basically. And he, it doesn't say this in the movie, but he goes into their head and also takes the pain away so that they just sort of fade into a white light. I get, I feel like it's kind of more meaningful that it doesn't say that in the movie though that yeah, like yeah. he is just literally there the comfort he doesn't like give them euphoria i guess yeah which is very much what he does in the book right like <laughs> i think that's a little underselling and kind of gets away from the point of which honestly this is a thing i think the whole movie is about is like the inevitability and cycles of life yeah yeah so i think that kind of takes away from it where it's like i can't make you be at peace, but I can help you. I can help and you I, get there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, cause like what he doesn't, all he really does is just be there for him and be like, cause like they're terrified, which is fair. Like they know they're going to die because cat is there. Ezreal, and, yeah. Yeah. Ezreal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, so they know they're going to die and he just offers to be there for them is really at the end what he does because he realizes that's the most he can give them at this point yeah yeah it's it is quite beautiful and i do like the moments that you get in the film i wish there was a little more of that yeah. but I also understand if why that it's completely disconnected from the rest of the film which is a bit unfortunate right yeah which is weird that it's also the name of the book yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, you know it's the perfect sequel to the shining which has barely any shining it's doctor sleep <laughs> with barely any doctor sleep yeah and doctor sleep there's a lot of shining though <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, one thing I was going to say that I did like about that was a contrast uh, between that and uh, between whenever like, you know, he's being Dr. Sleep and he's helping these people be comforted while they pass away. Mm-hmm. And the contrast between that and uh, whenever Grandpa Flick dies. Right. And yes. That, because that one, 
uh, with him, like, you know, he's comforting them and he's like giving them just like a last little bit of peace before they die. Mm-hmm. And then with Grandpa Flick, like, it's just chaotic while he's dying. Yeah, Rosie's And just like, it's just like, it's not even like someone trying to comfort him. It's just like, just fucking die already so we can get your steam. Yeah. Kind of. And it's, uh, it creates this huge contrast between them and almost like, you know, the difference between the light and the darkness or the shining and the shadows or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Between them, because there's like that huge contrast that, uh, that Dick uh, Halloran actually says at the very beginning of like, you know, there's this darkness and they're going to be, be trying to, they're going to try to steal your shine away from you and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually like what he says. He's like, it's not that your dad was evil. Everybody has this darkness and this light in them. It's that the overlook brought out his darkness and fed on it. Just like it brought out your light and fed on that. Yeah. And like everybody has a little of both. It just depends on what you do with it. Yeah. And it kind of shows how Danny is using, his arm uh, to shine to light and they're using their shine to for the darkness kind of like a yin and yang if you yeah. will yeah absolutely yeah, like when grandpa flick dies they focus on everything he had done whereas when dan comforts people he focus on what's ahead yeah, yeah. and then it's just again it's, it's like a yeah beautiful the difference of like uh like i don't know much but i know that death isn't the end is what he tells them and starts you know showing them like you know this is our in a weird way, kind of, it seems like he's showing them their family and like the life that they had before, before they die. So I, that I honestly just read it as like he's literally just looking into their mind and seeing what yeah. they're seeing. Well, so, yeah, because like, like I said, with like, hey, can you see the twins over there kind of thing? Kind of like how they're telling Grandpa Flick of like, these are all the great things that you did, but this is done now. Mm-hmm. But whereas Grandpa Flick is filled with fear and resentment and, yeah. and unsureness, of whenever Danny's doing it with everybody, he's like, yeah, like all those great things you did, and now you get to do more. Yeah, like yeah, it's 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 very different. And it's very really different. Great. Like it, it's a huge contrast between the two of them. But it, yes, it kind of shows that very good balance between that light and darkness yeah. in the movie. Yeah, exactly. oh, I mean the dark gets to live forever, so it's- <laughs> well, <laughs> they never said forever because like right, yeah, they they say that too. Well, bite. stay young, or no, live uh, long, live eat, long, eat and well. eat well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Is, he will live long. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a fast food restaurant. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a vegan fast food place. Even, <laughs> yeah, like, Satanas, eat well, live long. <laughs> <laughs> so just something dumb like that. Yeah. <laughs> Who's paying you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I do want to go into the, the speech at the end of Danny before I go off into talking about the true knot a little bit. Okay. And how the book depicts the true knot. And, uh, Again, I think reading the book did help me recontextualize a lot of a lot of what I think of the true knot. So the speech that Danny has at the end, like he's trying to come to terms throughout the whole book about letting these this woman and uh her son die. At the end he's finally like he goes up onto the stage like I've been sober, blah 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 years because there's another time jump. Yeah. Um I think it's four year or another four year time mm-hmm. jump. So I think he's twelve years sober right, at the end. I forgot he lives. Yeah, because yeah, in the book he lives. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really like, wait, what? Like, Ghost Danny did that, for, like, in front of Abra and no one else. <laughs> no, no, he actually like loses touch with Abra in the book. It's kind of sad. Huh. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah, he's 12 years sober, and he goes up and he starts giving the speech. He's like, "This is the most awful thing I've done, and it's this biggest struggle. Every time I think about it, I always want to pick up a bottle. And the thing that really brought me here is that I left this woman to sit in her tub and drown while her son starved to death in the apartment and screamed and screamed and had nobody there with them." And that was the moment that I finally felt like my father because how am I any different from my father? I drank. I was angry. I basically killed a mother and son. Like, what? how does that make me any different from him? And he's just pouring his heart out. And, while, and when he's starting to get done with his speech, he's realizing, like, 
everybody just looks bored and they're thinking about the next cup of coffee they're going to get and their drink because even though this one thing has been haunting him forever, everybody has things that are just as bad or worse in this room that have been haunting them as well. And so this thing that he thought was this big deal that everybody would hate him and shun him for is no different than anything else anybody else has done. And it's just like a real realization to him. Like I was holding on to this because I was ashamed of it. And if I would have just let it go, I could have been a much better person. If I would have just like said, this is what I did and moved on with my life, I could have been a better person. Yeah, it's uh, it's really great, honestly. That does sound really great. It, pro- it fits to the book for sure. Yes, yes. It would be weird if Ghost Danny tried to make that speech in this. If they want to include that in some way, shape, or form, like I think like the only way that they could have probably done that is like if they wanted to do that with Ghost Danny, I feel like they could have had it to where like if he saw the ghost of, you know, the mother and our mother and son and had a chance to apologize to them for what he did, for leaving him there like that. I it think it's a little be the same, too though. schmaltzy anyways yeah. for this yeah. movie. But yeah, I do want to get into the differences between, or not differences, I guess, but the background that it goes into the True Knots and just how horribly, horribly evil they really are. They um, caused World War II. No, nah, but they were big into it. I mean, they, yeah, that's Most a lot of, of them were Nazis, actually, uh, <laughs> because fair. that let them kill and torture a bunch of people and get as much fear out of them as possible. Um, they were way into the Vietnam War and the kind of protests that happened with that. Um, they sensed that 9-11 was going to happen. And so they just went and waited at New York in times in uh, the park, not Times Square. Uh, what's the park called? Liberty? No. no. Manhattan? No. Something. What's the big park in New York? The big Central Apple. Park? Central Park. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. The big Central Park. What's it called? <laughs> the one that's right in the center of everything, like the central of the city. What is that? <laughs> it's a park. <laughs> um, it's the central. <laughs> yeah. So they, they sensed that 9-11 was going to happen. And so they went and had a picnic in Central Park that day. And just ate up all the fear and suffering from everybody on 9-11. Um, I mean... Yeah, like, that's the details it goes into about the true notness of, like, just how truly evil they are and how much like, they want people to suffer. I get, it just doesn't... I don't feel like it as a... Because all it does is make them, like, comically evil, I think. They are very comically right, evil. Right, <laughs> but, like... Not like the movie would have done that, because it's really different at that point. Yeah, but, like, yeah. I think that almost detracts, because, like, it removes the quote-unquote humanity of some of these, like... Andy, uh, snake, snake by Andy, like her, mm-hmm. she had a just reason for starting and a just reason for joining them in her eyes where she wanted to get rid of all the pedophiles basically yeah, and out them to everything. Yeah. There's a line, uh, in the movie when snake by Andy, like fucking men. I don't know why Sam, but every time she says that, I think of you. <laughs> wow. Really? <laughs> How rude. Just Sam pointing a gun at some dude on the ground and being like, fucking men. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Depends on yeah. how I feel that day. Yeah. Like, was that the Taco Bell man? I don't know. Yeah, was Taco Bell man just fucking men? I wanted a gordita crunch. <laughs> like, they didn't have that anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> Menu. I don't know I'm what to tell so, you. I'm sorry. This is terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I, actually, do you want to talk about the True Knots? Okay. Um, I know, like, so, like, they're, like, really built up, but the big scene that kills most of them just happens. And I know mm-hmm. that's that's part of the movie. Like, they're talking about, like, the senseless deaths that happen for, again, as I said, inevitability. Mm-hmm. But, like, it feels so weird to build up, like, Andy especially, and then it's just an unceremonious death. It just happens. That's what I was saying. Yeah. That's what I was saying. I agree. 
<laughs> I, th- I don't yeah, know why they did that. It definitely feels unceremonious, but I do think that that's kind of the point. I mean, it could be the point. I don't have to agree with it, though. Yeah, that's, yeah you don't yeah. have to. Yeah. Like, <laughs> again, like it really, like with uh, Billy, it feels like it's just set up so they can get rid of all those characters and be like, hey, it's The Shining now. Yeah. 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 That's basically what happened. Like, Billy just gets killed in a, quite frankly, a kind of dumb way. Yeah, I actually really like Billy in the movie. He he's is. Really he's great. an amazing character. And it's really, again, it, it sounds stupid because like the way they show that is just how far he goes with Dan but like it's a really good friendship between yeah. these characters and again I'll, I say it a lot on the podcast I think we need more of that in Hollywood we just need more friendship guys yeah there's so much violence and sex let's get the friendships back in there <laughs> there's actually a really good great <laughs> moment with Billy in the car with Dan he's like you know what there's two outcomes that happen with this because they're going off to find the uh, body of the baseball boy. Yeah. And he's like, either my best friend is incredibly crazy and he thinks that there's a girls talking to him about dead people or, and Dan's like, or it's real. Yeah. And I don't know and, which is worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like that moment. Yeah. Like they have like a really great connection and friendship throughout the movie. Like I just think Ian McGregor and the actor, I can't remember his name. Uh, Cliff Curtis, <laughs> Chameleon Curtis, <laughs> Cliff Curtis. Um, they honestly just have really great chemistry together, and I think once they start spending more and more time together, like it's almost you instantly build a bond with them. Like you want yeah. this to be a buddy cop movie, basically with them. <laughs> like that's what they like. I'd watch the that movie, movie. Doesn't honestly devote that much time to like their friendships. Like you get the start and you get them hanging out a lot, mm-hmm. and that's why like it knows. What a friendship is, though. Like, yeah, it doesn't have to be like, haha, we're so... like, it'd be like, yeah, my friend might just be insane, <laughs> but I'm going to go dig up a dead body. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, honestly, their connection just feels completely solid. Right. Like and I, earned, which yeah. is weird because they really yeah. don't get a lot of screen and, time. You know, it has one of the things that Hollywood doesn't like to do. It has like the long silence of a friendship, too. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, I feel like the... <laughs> I feel like they took a lot of plot points and stuff from the book, but also tried to fit in a lot of the stuff from The Shining. So it's a little confused. <laughs> Maybe I'm the one that's confused. <laughs> I, don't know. I, mean, I definitely agree with you. Like, it all there almost is like two or three movies in this movie. I would say, like, literally, yeah, that's what on. it feels. Like. The Doctor Sleep part is just like this random middle part of this movie. And it feels really weird that the whole movie's called Doctor Sleep, quite frankly. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I mean... If the first one wasn't actually called The Shining, I really think this movie should be The Shining, because that's actually what this movie's about. So, another plot point that's in the book that is sort of hinted at in uh-huh. this is um when Abra and Dan meet in the park, and Dan's like, you know... This day and age, if a middle-aged yeah. man is here with a teenager, like, that doesn't look good. And she's like, no, no, it's fine. You're my uncle. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. In the book, is he actually her uncle? He's actually her uncle. Oh my gosh. Um, how does that work? <laughs> they fucking make it happen. Or he, Stephen King makes it happen, I should say. So like, they do have that little connection in the or the interaction in the book in the park. Like, we'll just say you're my uncle. And he's like, ah ha ha, yeah yeah yeah, okay. And then later in the book, Stephen King just writes an entire chapter about the mom, and he's like, so it turns out they actually are, uh. But related, why? I don't. No reason. I guess to like justify her shining. I guess. Yeah, because I know that there was like this little. There was like a very small piece of the original Shining where they're saying that the Shining is passed on genetically. 
even then, like yeah. I would buy that it's like one of Dick's relatives before I bought that. Yeah, yeah. And then that's kind of makes sense for the connection between them too, because they have the shared bond between Dick in that sense. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I feel so it's basically. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, there's we all we all have a bond with Dick. Yeah. I, I can. Um. No, but it's that Dan's dad, Jack. He was a teacher, mm-hmm. and he was taught at a university for a while. And Aber's grandma was a student at university, and Jack slept with her a bunch, and she got pregnant, but she never told Jack, so he went off to have his own family still. Uh, and so they somehow meet up, because, you know, Shining, and yeah. Ka-Tet, and that's how Ka works. Ka, that's what Ka is, you know? Yeah, cars are circles. Ka, cars are circles. Put <laughs> <laughs> um, that on a t-shirt and print it. <laughs> Don't sell it, because that'd be dumb. Just print it. No one's going to buy that. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's basically the idea is, yeah, Cotet, cause a circle. I think that's stupid. Yeah. Yeah, it's really <laughs> dumb. I really hated that in the like, book. I would have actually liked it even better, like, what E was saying, if, like, somehow, because it does, like, kind of also hint that Abra's, uh, real mom di- died some years back. Right, she had mm-hmm. cancer, it Yeah, says. she had can because she says, like, she had cancer, but this is somehow worse. Yeah. And, um, like, I would almost buy it that that was, like, Dick's, or uh, that... Her mother was Dick's daughter, or you know, somewhere down the line, or yeah. his, his sister, or something like they were related somehow to Dick, and like that's how where the connection is through that. Yeah, I think the relation works in some ways because, like you said, he, the connection they have is kind of like the connection that he it's, has with uh, Dick and stuff yeah. like that. But like, it's it's weird. It's dumb. Like I know, like they are like yeah, genetics and stuff, but also. They already say, like, a bunch of people have The Shining, so what's the point of trying yeah. to justify it? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's really people dumb. have The Shining, but they don't know they have The Shining, but sometimes it just comes out as, like, a nice talent yeah. that they have. Sometimes <laughs> it's like, hmm, I really feel like flowers. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like eating some flowers. <laughs> That's how you know you have The Shining. Do you just, like, get a real craving for flowers? It's either Shining or Pika, your choice. No, not your choice. <laughs> Hang on a second. <laughs> You want to correct yourself on that one, too? (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Add that to the list of stupid shit, he says. I kind of like what Dry was saying earlier with their connection of how it just both of them felt like they were outsiders their entire life because there's something that they had that no one else really understood, but they both understand each other because they both have this one little thing that no one else understands. Right. They both felt like outsiders their entire life or like they don't belong. Right. For different reasons. Um, but yeah, the fact that they're able to make that connection and bond because of that is honestly really great. Yeah. Actually, I have to ask, in the book, do they ever even figure it out? Yeah, I think Abra figures it out because okay. she shines so bright. She like, basically reads her mom's mind and figures it out. Okay. Yeah. Which, that's actually great. another thing that I did like of, like, how when she goes into people's minds, it's like going into a library, almost. That's in every Stephen King thing. Yeah, I was going to say- That's how he um, makes brains. Yeah, I was going to say that's how they did it with uh, Dreamcatcher, yeah. if I remember correctly, is that yes, that one guy, like, everything is, mm-hmm. like- Everything. All right, his brain is basically a library, but it's basically full. So every now and then he has to throw away something in, uh, in order to learn something new. Yeah, uh, that's just how he uh, has decided to explain brains. It's like an old trick from like 1680 or something. I was like actually that. gonna like. I feel like that goes way back because like even like it was filing cabinets, and I'm sure before it was like the Library of Alexandria and stuff. And like you keep that's going exactly back. where it came from. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, not 1680 then. I don't think, but no, yeah. that's like, even that's further back. Brutal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it does go back all the way to that. Because right, yeah, I was, I was, I was going to ask like where that trick came from, because it's obviously a common narrative ploy to like have a structured mind that way. Yeah, um, it's supposedly, even if you're like a visual thinker, apparently like thinking of your brain as a filing cabinet apparently is very helpful. Probably. 
probably changes now though who uses filing cabinets but also between that i guess that's actually one reason why uh billy and danny's friendship works so well is because they're both recovering alcoholics too so they both have almost like that outsider looking in of like i understand you yeah. right and in the billy not in the billy in the movie it uh <laughs> it hints that billy shines also yeah, well, it did hint that in the movie that he shines a, a little bit, but yeah. he just he's probably just not aware that he's shining because he does. I didn't say, catch that actually because he says little things to him like he's just like, "Hey, like you Got, notice these things oh, about yeah. people, right?" Kind of things. Yeah. So, like, he, I guess that's kind he of knows fair. that he are even if it's just on a subconscious level, he understands it, but he just not, he doesn't realize that he understands it. He just kind of sees it as like we're bonding over the fact that we're both recovering and yeah. we're leaning on each other for this recovery. But that kind of helps build their relationship. But I also believe uh Ewan McGregor and Cliff Curtis yeah Cliff Curtis thank you the fact that both of them are just really good actors probably helps with their chemistry together too they work off each other really well oh yeah they do they really do very well but Michael Flanagan I feel like he had a very good cast for this movie every single person did I feel like every single person did a very good job playing their character in this movie absolutely I think Flanagan is honestly really great at choosing his cast yeah uh, which I think is why he sticks with them for so long too, because they're like, just really great actors. Yeah, to be fair, like I think probably the weakest actors are the, um, I guess the darkness that are from the Overlook that come out and see them when they try like <laughs> yeah. quoting parts from The Shining and they do a really bad job quoting those parts. Yeah, um, I think the guy who plays Jack is really good. Yeah, um, the guy who that... played Jack was a, f- he did a phenomenal job. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I you could he... tell it's not him, but no, yeah, yeah, I think he has captured the essence of the character really yeah. well, though. Yeah, I feel yeah, I feel with that one. Uh, I feel like with the characters when they did like the flashbacks of Jack and Wendy and Danny when he was young, I think he went less for people who will look like them and more for people who are just good actors and oh, can yeah. portray them. Yes, yeah, that's one thing that I uh, said earlier too. Is like, well, I guess I didn't say this part because the way that I see the flashback characters is it's basically the Hollywood actors' versions of what those characters would have looked like. Because like basically those characters, the filter on them, they're prettier versions of what the original actors were. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's kind of how I saw it. Nicholson yeah. isn't pretty. I'm Let me put this it this way: <laughs> Ewan McGregor is two years older than Jack Nicholson was when what? he filmed. Yeah. yeah, just so you know the pretty <laughs> levels here. Ewan yeah. McGregor, he's probably like I would argue he's one of the prettier men in Hollywood. I would hump him. I would hump him. Yeah. So, Jariah, are you saying that this actress did not look like a pencil? It's a fun fact. No. <laughs> but no, um, something that I did point out early on in the movie, too, is just like the mannerisms of when, of um, Wendy and... Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of the actress who originally... Shelley Duvall? Yeah, Shelley Duvall. Like the mannerisms of Shelley Duvall, the actress that they got to play her for the flashbacks did a really good job with the way that she talks and her mannerisms and like mm-hmm. the way she dresses and everything. Like what, the, what really got me with that one is like when she w- went to go run out to go grab Danny when Danny was talking to Dick on the bench... Uh, the way that she runs after him too, like that, that was basically Shelley Duvall for me. Yeah, the run and the Danny. Yeah, yeah, like perfect. Right. Hey, Doc. Yeah. yeah, like all those. Like she, she probably like studied that character. Probably, like she did a very good job portraying her for that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, insane. Honestly, yeah, insane. Between that yeah. and like I said, the actor that they got to play uh, Jack Torrance for that flashback too. Like I said, that is definitely my favorite scene between him and or Ewan McGregor whenever they're talking back and forth. I, I absolutely love the way that that went through there because that was very much. Uh, um, in a weird way, uh, I think that might have been his way of recapturing what you said that that last scene where he had, wherever he's talking about like the bad things that he did and how he's leaning on alcohol to forget about it and everything. That was probably his way of putting that scene in there without putting that scene in there, wherever he still rejects the alcohol whenever it's right in front of him. And he has uh, Jack basically being the catalyst saying this, this is something that you need. This is your medicine. Like yeah, a man yeah. provides a man. 
uh, a man deals with mouths, and this is the only thing he asks for in return. Yeah, like, that's something that I think is lip-serviced in uh, Dr. Sleep, the movie. Very early on, you hear Danny when he's punching somebody saying, take your medicine. Yeah. And then it's brought back later on when he's having that talk with his dad. Um, In the Shining, the book, like, that's said so many times from Jack to Danny, because almost the last 200 pages of that book is just Jack chasing Danny. Yeah. It's very annoying. But he keeps yelling, like, take your medicine, because Doc. Yeah. And, like, yeah. that's kind of the whole thing with it. Is and it so, a like, Bugs that... Bunny reference in the yeah. book, too? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's still a Bugs Bunny reference. And so, like, that's brought up a lot in Dr. Sleep, too, the take your medicine thing. That's brought up a lot. It's it's really nice, actually. It just, I, I like you're saying, it's a, uh, it's Ka. It's yeah. a circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ka um, circles. Because, like, in The Shining, when Jack is at that same point, he's at that same breaking point, mm-hmm. he gives in and he takes the drink. Yeah. Um, Stephen King, at that point in his life, he broke in and he gave, he gave into the drink. And then it's him later in this point in life, like, he has all these same pressures and he has the same opportunity and then he didn't take it. Yeah, and, um, like, Jack even pushes him into the bathroom, which was his second breaking point, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like, to, like where he completely lost it. And it's really interesting, like, just seeing the parallels of Dan and Jack, really. Yeah. yeah. Which, this is, uh, I don't know if Drya figured this out, but I just looked, uh, I just looked this up since I had the cast brought, uh, up on my phone. Uh, the man who plays Jack for Dr. Sleep is Henry Jackson Thomas Jr. I don't know if you recognize that name or not. I don't recognize the name. I know that Flanagan uses him in almost everything. Uh, he is the kid from E.T. Is, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Like, Damn, he's E.T.? <laughs> <laughs> wow, <him>. <laughs> wow, that barely can... Wow, he's way more successful now. Yeah, yeah. he's in so many things I love. Holy yeah. shit. That didn't connect till just now. Cool. Yeah, it yeah. didn't connect for me either, but like... Cause I looked at, cause like I just looked at the actor and I was like, oh, they shaved his head like for to give him that widow's peak that yeah. Jack Nicholson has. Yeah. Um. Actually, wait, uh, didn't was it The Shining that came out the same weekend as or the same two month weeks after? <laughs> that yeah. is hilarious. Yeah, it's Ka, man. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Quit saying Ka. You are not a crow. <laughs> Who is paying you? <laughs> Stevie, you're not allowed to add stupid stuff to this movie because you just, it's a random reference, okay? I'm not going to ever accept Ka. It's stupid. Stop trying to make Ka happen, Dry. It's not going to happen. Oh, man, you sound like, sound like a dark tower right now. <laughs> I am going to drop you. But yeah, like, I, I just saw that looking at my phone, and I figured that'd be a nice little fun fact for you guys. Yeah, um, I mean, I should see E.T. at some point to complete the circle yeah, of life. Yeah, the uh, circle, yes. The car. um it's actually funny because mike flanagan actually did like call up the guy um i was watching an interview and he was like so mike flanagan called me up he's like hey how would you feel about playing jack torrance in dr sleep and the guy was like um i don't know that's rough i don't think people are gonna like that like i don't i don't know what do you feel about me and flanagan's like no 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 this isn't about me what do you want to do do you want the role he's like uh yeah i'll take it this sounds great he's like cool we have to figure out what to do with your hair <laughs> like yeah. literally the first thing he said after he accepted it <laughs> he's the second actor that i could think of that's done that because the only other the, oh, well for this podcast tr- t- are also because um uh blue valentine oh yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the main main actor for that movie jack ryan gosling ryan, ryan gosling uh, uh how he gave himself a widow's peak for the ending of blue valentine yeah yeah all of the things that they did for this, like all the old Shining sets, were 100% recreated from the blueprints that they used for the well, original. they didn't just keep the old set in a warehouse. <laughs> I was going to say, 
They looked really good. They did. Yeah, they were 100% recreated from blueprints that Kubrick's family left. So the estate just gave them the blueprints and they made those. Except for where Kubrick had like an entire like year, uh, they got six weeks. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. I so, would say they chose very different angles for every shot. They did. They did choose different angles. But yeah, it's like an exact recreation of the sets and then aged. Um, for a couple of hallway scenes, actually, they aged it and aged it. And then they aged it too much, so they had to break it down and start over. <laughs> <laughs> too much mold. And some of the um, hotel scenes, it sort of just looks like a haunted house. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, sort of, not really like an actual hotel that's just been abandoned. It just looks like Yeah, like, Halloween. I don't feel like that's what hotels do if you don't upkeep Which, them. <laughs> no, no. Speaking no. of recreating scenes, you said that you'd bring it up in the podcast, too. Mm-hmm. That scene, River, like, after he talks to uh, Dr. John, yeah. and, he, like, after he finds his watch, and his office is, like, a almost perfect recreation of that interview scene from the original Shining movie. It is an exact recreation, even to the angle and the flag to yeah. the right on the desk. Yeah. The I paint noticed on that. the walls, the windows in the back, the lighting, they used everything exactly the same. Yeah, I Not noticed that. Not the people. Not the people. <laughs> Not the people. <laughs> but yes, it's an exact recreation of that office, yeah. Huh. And <laughs> the office where they're sitting for the interview, everything. Yep, yep, the whole thing. Which is, yeah, another... There's a lot of also, like, sound cues to The Shining. Like, stuff that I didn't even know until looking stuff up. When they're going to that one RV park to make the trap, whenever Dan and Billy drive over the bridge, you hear the dirt, then you hear, then you hear the dirt again. They use that sound effect from The Shining when Dan is on the floors with his trike. It's literally the same sound effect. They just took the sample and used it on the bridge. Just to show, like, he's going through the same mental state as he was, basically. There's that, and then I also uh, talked about how they used a lot of the same uh, helicopter sweeping shots. That they did for right. the original Shining whenever they're going back yeah. to the overlook. Um, here's the thing. When they're using those over, sh- over the helicopter shots, it's literally the same shot that they, they- just put CGI over it? No, no. They just took the grain filter out and made it day for night and added snow. <laughs> huh. It's literally the same shot, though. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I wanted, so when they get into the outlook, is it the same score? Because it really sounded yes. sim. Okay, yeah, it's I the thought same so. Score. They use a lot of the same score from The Shining. Once and each like Shining things are happening. Yeah, same score. Yeah. I thought so because like, oh, that's kind of neat. Yeah, there is that or like that. Um, uh, that old 1930s yeah. song that they had playing in the uh, in the golden. Yeah. Yep. Same thing. Yeah. I will say the score was not as good in this like the original score. I agree. I agree. Just uh, not as rememberable. I think it's because uh, The Shining. It's just like tense constantly, so they kind of have to have that score in the background to help boost that up. Right. Yeah. And in this movie, it's uh, yeah, like I said before, it's a different vibe. Yeah. It is. It's a very different vibe. It's it's more action. For it's sure. letting loose of everything. Yeah. It's basically if it's, Shining was the build up, this is releasing the pressure. Yeah. Uh, well, I was gonna almost say like uh, if The Shining was the mystery. This is the revelation, or this is the revelation of said mystery, and this is the world that you haven't seen before, or that you've never seen before, because are with the mystery covering. I'm trying to think of a way to actually put this uh, to make it. This is the mystery machine. Yeah, <laughs> this is the world you never got to see. Yeah, this is the world. Uh, this is the world you didn't get to see uh, while the covers were over your eyes. In yeah, a weird way. Yeah, yeah that's. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, another thing is Mike Flanagan has a uh, Easter egg to his very first movie, Oculus. And it's real small. I didn't even know it was there. There's a mirror. It's the exact mirror from <laughs> Oculus. There's a specific mirror. 
Um, <laughs> I just like the idea, like, he just put in a mirror and it's like, that's a reference. <laughs> no, it's uh, <laughs> when Danny is going into the golden room, the golden ballroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first mirror on his right hand is the mm-hmm. Oculus mirror, which I just like the idea that, like, in all the travels, the Oculus mirror wound up in the Overlook. That's just so perfect. And then it got destroyed. <laughs> and then finally, maybe it got destroyed. Actually, speaking of mirrors, I'm going to say they brought back the red rum. It's still dumb. <laughs> it still doesn't work. It works. Maybe even dumber in this. Like, it, it even works stupid because, like, they mimicked how he wrote certain letters backwards. But it doesn't make sense because she would she literally just wrote murder. <laughs> so why is some of her letters backwards? It's stupid. <laughs> Nobody, it's never established she's a good student. <laughs> she's 13. She's a really bad student. They don't let 13-year-olds get there. She has the shining. She just cheats on tests. <laughs> she should know what letters look like then. You're a letter. <laughs> I am the letter E. <laughs> and the E is backwards, and he is not okay with that. <laughs> I just, it's so dumb. And it's like... Just as bad as the blood elevator. It just doesn't... It's not clever. It's not <laughs> interesting. It's just dumb. And in this one, it's more dumb because it's literally just a callback to a dumb thing and I just had to get it out. And <laughs> my whole... might peak. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of peaking right there. My whole thing, my about, whole thing about that was uh, how I kept on bringing up of, he's renting that room. And the landlord's eventually going to go into his house and see that the chalkboard wall is completely fucking broken with the word murderer on it. <laughs> Murder? Baseball boy? Who? Hello? What the fuck was this guy doing? Yeah. <laughs> I think he the, the wagon. <laughs> the hello thing makes me laugh so much because it's like so dumb. It's just like, hell, and then the smiley face. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. It's so dumb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like it. For a little while there, and I'm really glad that they did not do this, but for a little while there, I thought they were going to, like with her saying hello and putting the smiley face there, that they were just going to like put a frowny face on it of like saying like this person's in hell. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing and like it was like a yeah like as a weird wah, little wah. Yeah. I, I thought that there was gonna be like some little uh their own little version of red rum yeah of like wow. it's hello but now they're just uh, they, you get rid of the o and now they're in hell imagine if they kept the hello the entire time but when like she did the break it like put a split after the second l <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's on par with the red rum I'm gonna say just, I'm gonna like, agree red rum hell. is real dumb red runs dumb it you're is. right and it's just more dumb than this and it's just there the whole movie just reminding you of the red rum and I'm like come on <laughs> paint over it man come on I think he's gonna have to get that whole wall fixed he's dead <laughs> <laughs> I mean landlords will find a way to make him pay and then the last of the hundreds of references, honestly, every single frame in this yeah. movie, there's a reference to something Stephen King. But the reference to Kubrick is uh, Abra's address is 1980. It is. Which yeah. is when The Shining came out. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, yeah. Just fun. Look, it's cute. It's cute. Is that even like a reference? It's just like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, it's still a reference at that point. It's, it's referring to a dumb. thing. <laughs> Yeah, for how pissy you get about the references that are in Ready Player One, there's a lot of references in this movie. Yeah, but these are at least in the background. I usually hate references to, like, it doesn't stop you. Like, the one that's really dumb is the caw. That's only if you know it, though. 
even then, it's not. It doesn't make sense because again, if you don't know it, it just sounds like he's saying cars are circle, which isn't a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remembered it was a weird word. It's like a weird thing. Cars are circle. What do you it want? sounds like something I would say, and that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> cars are circle. <laughs> it it's not terrible about references. It doesn't stop you to be like. Hey, remember the well actually it does stop you to say, Hey, remember the shining. It literally the stops other you, books. The entire third act is like, hey, remember the shining. It doesn't, it doesn't stop you like, hey, remember Darkest Dungeon Tower Man? Uh, actually I would argue <laughs> that it almost does stop the story at some points to be like, Hey, remember Dark Tower? Well, guess it doesn't get any props anymore. Fuck it. <laughs> There's actually tons I mean, and tons of references. To be Dark fair Tower. though, I actually really did like the third our act though. I liked the pace change that they had for it. I like it too. I could see why people wouldn't, but I honestly do like yeah. it a lot. It's it's most it's the most memorable part of the movie for sure. Like honestly, the first act of the movie is kind of a blur. Yeah, it's mostly it's, establishing. I, there is a lot of building. Like the reason why this movie is so long is because they have to build up to this climax, yeah. mm-hmm. but they do it well. Yeah, yeah. I Last, know, like in the end, it really turns out that the only true knot that matters is Rose. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind. Of- uh, there's also a bunch of yeah. foreshadowing in Abra's room about Rose the hat. Um, like above her bed, there's a vase of roses. Yeah. And then the stuffed animal dog is an H and then there's a letter A and then there's the monkey and that's a T. Okay. So a rose hat. I thought you were talking about the rabbit. I was like, what do you, what do you mean the stuffed dog? No, that's just kind of like a Alice in Wonderland going down the rabbit hole. Kind of yeah. Thing. Actually, I'll say that reminds me, this movie has really good shots and that is one of the best shots where it like replaces her with the rabbit. Yeah. It's really good. That's really good. Uh, I actually think the cinematography in this is really great. Yeah, like it really does the it really leads itself into the sleight of hand that is the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, it does actually. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, uh, box office on this film uh, budget was an estimated forty five million, which is quite a bit for a horror movie. Um, is it really a horror movie? Not really. It, there's horrific things in <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I was say, gonna say. Yeah, has, like when they turned the lights on, I that feel, scared me so much. <laughs> you were like, I can't look at this. <laughs> Uh, to be fair, I would say this is more of a drama movie, or like you, kind of like how you would say a Hereditary is like a family drama. This is <laughs> okay. This is not intense. It's Hereditary. Yeah, yes. it's not as yeah. intense, but like how uh, that movie is uh, more of a family drama with horror elements. This is just a, I guess, um, I, I don't want to say like a coming of age, but like a, a what's the fucking word I'm thinking of? Almost like a redemption story with horror elements in it. Yeah, it is. It is a redemption story for sure. Yeah, opening weekend was fourteen million. Ugh. And uh, gross worldwide was seventy two, so if you really yeah. think about that, it did not make its money back with all the advertising. That's surprising. It, it put a but lot just, into advertising. I was gonna say that is just box office, though. I feel with the fandoms, like or with Stephen King fandoms, like it eventually will make its money back if it hasn't yet. I think through DVD sales and stuff like that, yeah. for sure, it yeah, will make its money back. Sales. That and ho- <laughs> maybe with streaming. Well, with HBO, well, yeah. they don't have to strike people a deal like, with HBO Max because they own it, so. Yeah. I was going to say, like, people like to uh, joke around about how HBO just has infinite amount of money, though, too. So kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, they- only in America, like I noticed a lot in other countries, Netflix is still just the superior yeah. thing. Yeah. Like is. they still well, just own everything. What they're doing with HBO Max, which I'm actually all for it with what they did with HBO Max. But uh, mainly the reason why they did it is because they felt like they needed to compete better with uh, with Netflix. Yeah. And so they kind of put some stuff on there that like. There's a good chance no one's going to watch, but it gives them more variety. Yeah. That is Netflix's entire deal. <laughs> They'll be like, hey, you want a dumb documentary about a man who saw an alien mask and said it was a real alien and then was outed as a pedophile? Here you go. 
Yeah, that was a bad documentary. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. Was that. A fucking do- that was a Netflix documentary? That yeah. was a real thing. We can't get into it, but it was bad. But yeah, I think we should get on to uh, final takes here. Sam, let's start with the Venom. Hit us. What's your final take and what's your score? Let- let's hear it, Snakebite Sam. <laughs> What? That's your nickname now, Snakebite Sam. Aw, oh, yeah. Snakebite Sam, that's me. Man, here. <laughs> Alright, good. I think that's a really solid take on this movie, Man, Erg. Alright, sorry. <laughs> Alright, uh... Yeah. It's alright, but I do, I do think the pacing is a little weird. I guess, because like E said, like the beginning sort of feels like a blur. And by the time I was like in the last hour, I was like, what even happened in the beginning? I forgot. So <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of things that just don't need to be in there. But <laughs> Hard to disagree, I also, but I'll let you have your opinion. No, you're not allowed to disagree. I also just have a really hard time just paying attention to a lot of things. So that might just be a me thing. I'm not sure. Like, if it doesn't capture my attention, then you can fucking throw it out the window. I don't care. And this is why you shouldn't have a baby. I know. Whoa. Talk about some dark jokes there. That came out of nowhere. Talk about throwing out the baby with the bad movie. Continue, Sam. Other than that, I think it's pretty good. I think The Shining was better with pacing and storytelling, maybe, probably. I don't know. <laughs> I know you hate my opinions and they're stupid, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think the acting is really, really good. And I think they picked like perfect actors for all of the characters. Good, compelling acting. And I do like the the score, though. I I think it fits really well with a lot of the scenes. Uh, looks good. Except for some really bad CGI that like has already aged poorly. Yeah, there's a couple shots that don't look great. Yeah. I think it's something I might enjoy more if I read the books, honestly. Just because like I I feel like there's a lot of nuances that you'd only really like sort of is nuance the right word? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. A lot of things that you um sort of really get and really understand if you read the book or books even. I think my problem with this movie is just a me thing. <laughs> it's maybe not like <laughs> It's not that the movie's bad, it's that the movie just isn't what you were wanting or ready for. Yeah, I think The Shining is a better, more, it captures my attention a lot more than maybe this does, because this goes, like, eh, everywhere, kind of, you know what I mean? <laughs> no? Okay. I mean, I like the way that it's paced, so. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. Uh, I would rate it, like, an 8. Okay. Like, I rate everything Are else. you actually rating an 8 because you think it's an 8, or are you rating an 8 because you don't want us to yell at you for rating it lower? <laughs> no, I think it's a good movie. I just think it's really long, and I don't know why we watched the extended cut because I, you know I can't fucking pay attention to this stuff very well. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like someone doesn't want to watch the extended cut of Ed Na's Big Picture Show. Oh, is get... there an extended cut? No, I wish. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
It's long. Um, <laughs> yeah, eight okay. is good. Okay. Uh, Robbie. So, like we were saying, I really did enjoy this movie uh, in a weird way, like I said, because of how it bridges the gap between the two movies very well between The Shining and Doctor Sleep, kind of like how Blade Runner and Blade Runner 49 complement each other. Like, that's why I compared them is because you missed a 20. Whatever. <laughs> we're keeping it in. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like I said, I feel like if The Shining was the foundation, like this is the building that they built on top of it, kind of like how I was saying earlier, like The Shining is a giant mystery on what's actually going on. And this movie kind of takes the blindfold off and reveals a new world that you never knew existed in a weird way. And I feel like it's one of those things like I wouldn't have enjoyed. Like, I still would have enjoyed this movie if I never saw The Shining. But I feel because I known The Shining for pretty much all my life and everything and like the way that this complements it. And I feel like there was a lot of love put in this movie towards it and towards the story in general that uh, it, I feel like they did a really good job with it. And I never felt like the movie was wasting my time or like it, like there was something that was unneeded in there. Like everything felt like it was very purposeful and they did very good. Like they did a very good job with everything when it came to like the color of everything that they put in there to the camera angles the acting, every single person that did, or all the actors in this movie did a phenomenal job with it. Uh, Mike Flanagan did a very good job directing them to make this, to bring his vision to light with this movie. Uh, I did like, I said, kind of like that redemption arc that he has wherever it kind of shows Danny at his lowest point and then him building himself up after getting to that point, to the point, or to, to where he even gets to where Dick tells him, like, you know, I helped you. And eventually you're going to have to help somebody else too. And it kind of gets to that point. It kind of goes for him being scared and saying, I'll, I'll never do that to the point to where like, that's kind of his, or that's the point of his redemption Yeah, in the movie. And the way that it's all pieced together, it's done very, very well. Like I would highly recommend this movie for anyone that's a horror fan or even just a fan of the shining. Uh, for me, this movie, it's very easy. Like, and I want to say I kind of want to read the books, too, because I feel like the books just kind of would add on to the story that I have built in with this. Uh-huh. But because um, I haven't read any of the books, but I really want to at some point in time or even like you, maybe just listen to the audiobooks since I just have a bunch of time to listen to stuff like audiobooks at work. But I just don't have an Audible subscription. They're worth it. Audible sponsor us, please. <laughs> Actually, fucking for real. Yeah. <laughs> no, I want food. <laughs> give E a pizza and give me and dry a books. Four nuggets for four dollars. <laughs> Wendy's. who's paying you (laughs) um but yeah this movie i would say this is a nine like i'd rate this up there with like i said with blade runner 2049 within the way that it are the way that it kind of bridges them together even though normally whenever they have a sequel that's done decades later it's terrible more often than not but those two examples are shiny examples of how it could actually work cool e uh this is gonna sound i actually like this movie for almost an opposite reason. I like this movie because I feel it's so disconnected from The Shining. Like, I don't think it has to actually live up from the, just the peaks that The Shining has. Where, like, I think it just stands alone really well. Like, you could take a lot of the elements of The Shining out, and I think this is still, like, completely the same movie. Yeah, I think, you could, I think you could make it work without yeah. The Shining having existed before. It'd be weird, but you could do it. Like, again, like, I said this earlier, but you could have just told me these were characters in the same universe, and I would not have batted an eye. Yeah, right, right. So that's a lot of it, and, like, it's not a fault of the movie. In fact, I think that helped me like it a lot, because, again, I don't, I'm not super big into sequels. I think a lot of times it's hard to live up to the first movie. I have, there are very few movies I think the sequel actually was just really, like, worth being existing. Yeah. And 
it's just a lot of like just parts of that I like. I like the cinematography in this movie. I think it's acted well. I would not say anyone's bad. So like it's a lot of that stuff. It's like a lot of cool things in this movie. And as Sam said, it has a completely different vibe from The Shining. It is not the psychological thriller, what is real, what isn't, ghosts, maybe. <laughs> um, and, like, that can't work. It, it works. Like, again, I've kind of just because, like, I went with The Shining with more the idea of, like, it's more of the inner turmoils of Jack rather than literal possessions. Mm-hmm. But this movie, again, it feels disconnected enough where I'm not, like, salty about it i guess is a way to put it okay and as i was watching it i felt like i liked it more than shining but i think after like sitting down a bit i'm not sure i actually agree with that i think the shining just hits way higher highs that this one unfortunately can't hit okay but it's still a really good movie and i think i'd ultimately give it an eight cool cool okay as for me uh i would agree with you in a lot of ways i don't think that this hits quite the high highs the shining there are certain things that I like more than The Shining, but in different ways. They they're very tonally different movies. Like I said, Abra and uh Danny, Ewan McGregor and uh Kaylee Curran? Yeah, she absolutely kills it. Like if this movie doesn't launch a career for her, I would be shocked. I hope it does. Cuz like you said she did a phenomenal job too. Yeah, like she she carried a lot of this movie on her shoulders, honestly. If they had a lesser actress, it would have it wouldn't have worked as well. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked as well. Um the performances, the writing, I think the the way that Flanagan happened to make it a sequel to both the book and the movie works really well. He he melds the two worlds together. He melds Kubrick and Stephen King together really well in a way that Stephen King was actually very happy with. And he ended up giving us the ending for The Shining that uh, we always deserved. Maybe. It's really a great movie and about overcoming overcoming yourself, I guess, yeah. really. And being able to face those demons and uh, become better from it. Yeah, it's really great. I I absolutely love it. I'm not going to say it's better than the, or worse than The Shining. It's good in a different way, but I would give it a nine. Okay. Yeah. And with that, boy, oh boy, this has been a long fucking episode. We haven't done one this long in quite a while. Yeah. To be fair, the last time of this was not the movie. <laughs> the last time we did an episode this long uh, was whenever we had a long-ass script or whenever we watched a movie that was roughly about the same length. Um, E. Hi. If anybody wants to get a hold of us anywhere, how can they do that? We have a Facebook and a Twitter. The last ones in and the last ones in podcasts. Retrospectively or reverse, one of the two. <laughs> uh, we have an email. You can email us your shining powers. How do you shine, <laughs> Mr. or Mrs.? Person you. <laughs> Uh, you can email us at the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. How do you shine? Yeah, boy. And Sam, thank you for joining us on this one. Uh, yep. <laughs> Robbie, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, E. Yeah. Thank you, me. And thank you, everybody out there for listening. I feel like starting it with Shining and uh, ending it with Dr. Sleep really gave us a nice caw to the whole thing. So that's great. Circle the caw. No, E, don't leave. Don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening so much. <laughs> this October has been great, honestly. I feel like we watched a lot of great classics and a lot, uh, a couple of new things that were really great. Yeah. And surprisingly, he loved most of them, which was yeah. the biggest surprise. But yeah, Robbie, take us out. If you're still out there protesting, please be safe about it. Wear a mask, wear gloves, use hand sanitizer. Don't be a dummy about it.
But if you're not, do what you can to stay home, stay safe, stay alive, and thanks for joining us on this. Yeah, thank you guys. For, for and uh, remember to eat well so you can live long. <laughs> Yeah, stay young. You know where you can eat well at Wendy's, where you can get the fourth floor meal with the spicy chicken. You. It's kind of like um, eating McDoubles for your entire life and then having a real hamburger one day. Hey, what's with the money? <laughs> Let's not let's not mock the McDouble here. I can eat a few of those a day. I mean, I can still it's eat designed, those too. Yeah, like that's exactly the point. You can eat a few of those a day. That's not something you should say about <laughs> hamburgers. It's like that, or like if you ate nothing but frozen burritos for your entire life, and then you had like authentic Mexican food. Yeah, I wonder okay. what that would be like. I wonder what that. Yeah, that would be weird. I don't know what that would feel like. What do you do? You think? How do you think that would seem, Sam? Just your entire childhood eat frozen burritos. How do you think that would? <laughs> Listen. Hey. A good frozen burrito is good sometimes, okay? <laughs> is this a white person's wedding? No. Yes. Kind yes. of. Wait, half and what? half. One of them are... Gotta love a good Sansa. But uh, I listened to the debate while I was at work, and I got a nosebleed midway through listening to it. No so joke. So did all of America. Yeah. Like, when I say, like, I legitimately had to excuse myself, go to the bathroom and, like, stuff... And he had to like wait nose. because everyone else was also in the bathroom just <clears throat> puking. Everyone's puking and dying and <laughs> crying. Yeah. You do anything else interesting? Uh, I saw something interesting on the way up here, which okay. I guess okay, two things. Like it was the weirdest thing. Like I, I didn't know how to process or process it because like when I got in my car to get or to drive over here, uh, I heard this girl yelling at someone in a car that someone stole her phone, and it looked like it was a little girl from the back. But, like, she turned around, and she had, like, the body of a 13-year-old, but the face of a 45-year-old. Man. And, like, <laughs> not man, like, but, like, she had, like, the stereotypical Karen hair, and she was missing her front four teeth. Huh. Okay. And so, like, thinking That's... that it was a little girl to see, turning around and seeing that was we weirdly jarring. <laughs> and then, like, for some weird reason, there was this giant white truck that was uh, waving a Trump flag on the way over here. And when I say he was waving a Trump flag, like he had a sunroof and he was holding a flag and waving it above him while he was driving. What? Yeah. I thought you meant like so he just had someone in the back of the bed just waving no, like, a I looked, yes flag. Like, it was one of those weird things because like, like, I saw them at the stoplight and like I saw that the flag was still waving even though the truck wasn't moving. Right. And I look in and they're the only person in this truck and they're yelling something. I don't know what they're yelling because I can't hear them. But like they're yelling while they're waving this flag, oh, I the and I had this moment where I just like kept looking forward, like don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact. <laughs> that's that's weird. Also, it's... it must be really weird for like a meth dealer to be like having someone ask for their manager. <laughs> yeah, that, that... man, it shows how much I know. I was like, man, there's probably like a story about her getting punched and all four of her teeth came out. <laughs> Not... Oh yeah, drugs. Yeah, yeah, drugs are there. <laughs> I was telling you guys about like you know the uh, people. All right the people that's too for critical role and all like most of them have kids and so they just come up with nicknames for their kids because right. they want their kids yeah, to have like hey gerrymandering <laughs> <laughs> okay, i'm not like that mad right, right yeah, yeah, yeah it just seemed weird <laughs> i mean your face is turning red are you sure you're not that it's mad? hot your nose is bleeding <laughs> yeah there's a giant vein <laughs> popping out of your forehead <laughs> listen that's always there okay <laughs>
I actually am just subscribed to Smo Yoho. Well, yeah, that's yeah. the least surprising thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pictures Brains of mom, hard drive. pictures of dad, porn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> picture of dad's porn. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that one. <laughs> I know you loved. I know that was hilarious, but please don't use that. <laughs>